Join Winnipeg Sports Talk, live from the NHL Draft in Nashville, presented by CoolBet, beginning on June 26th. This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily for a Friday. We do have a big show coming up, lots to get to surrounding the Winnipeg Jets offseason. Big news involving the Winnipeg Ice and, of course, a bomber game tonight in Saskatchewan with the Bombers taking on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. But uh, I did want to take a moment to uh, express uh, our thoughts and sympathies to everybody that was impacted by the horrible accident outside of Carberry, Manitoba yesterday, which um, claimed the lives of 15 people with 10 more in hospital right now. Uh, just an absolutely unspeakable tragedy. The worst uh, vehicular accident in the history of our province. This sort of was breaking as we were finishing up the show yesterday, and um, now it's quite clear that this is um, something that, you know, a day that will live in infamy in our uh, province's history for uh, for a long, long time. Uh, a special... Special um, thoughts to everyone in the community of Dauphin, Manitoba, um, where uh, most of the uh, seniors, the victims were from. Uh, I can't imagine what it's like in that community right now. Uh, you know, spent some time in Dauphin in the past and, you know, always enjoyed the uh, incredible community and the people there. Um, and I can't imagine what everyone is going through there right now. So uh, on behalf of us here at Winnipeg Sports Talk, thinking about everyone affected by that tragedy, and a, uh, a, a special, special thanks to the first responders, the police, the fire and paramedics, STARS Air Ambulance, and of course the uh, medical professionals that have been doing everything they can around the clock um, to uh, save the survivors from that. It is... Um, you know, obviously, we have a lot of fun talking about sports and a lot of things that seem very trivial at times like these, and we'll continue to do that today. Uh, but can't really get going on this show today without um, just expressing our sympathies to everyone that's been affected by this and a thanks to everyone um, that was working around the clock um, to uh, to help those that still were uh, able to be saved. Um, but uh, as I said, the show will go on today. Let's get Michael Remus in here, and uh, we got a banger today for you, folks. Remo, how are you? Man, I'm trying to keep keep track of everything that's happening here. A lot of uh, very juicy off-season stuff here for the NHL as we head into the draft. So, But I'm in a good mood heading into the weekend. Uh, bomber game tonight. We're going to talk about that with Ed. We did kick off CFL Week 2 last night. Um, you know, no hockey anymore, so I'm, I'm fu- fully invested into this. Uh, CFL season, so that's good. But um, and yeah, Jets, and then we had the I uh, Winnipeg Ice uh, bomb from Darren Dreger uh, dropped before. So I'm trying to keep track of everything here. Us, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, let's get to that because I mean, once we get into uh, you know Jets and Bombers talk, we'll uh, kind of really be diving into that. But I mean, uh, yeah, this is not, I would say, a surprise. Uh, I mentioned last week I'd heard the potential of uh, the ice moving. West, and uh, that has been confirmed today. Uh, Darren Drager broke the story earlier today that the Winnipeg Ice have been sold. It was confirmed today by the Western Hockey League, as well as a message from Greg Fettis, who was the owner, um, put it out to the fans 
um, you know, and everyone that supported the Winnipeg Ice during their four years here. I, you know, it, it is really too bad. Um, you know, I think there was the potential for junior hockey to work. So much of it did center around the um, building that was part of the plan for the Winnipeg Ice that never did come to fruition. And um, listen, we don't have a lot of the details as to why and how things progressed or didn't progress when it comes to it. Obviously, a global pandemic, which affected everybody on planet Earth, I'm sure had quite a bit to do with it. Um, but I will say this, that organization did a lot in the community. Um, they built an incredible hockey team that went all the way to the Western Hockey League final today. Uh, and it is somewhat sad that, you know, the final games for the Winnipeg Ice here were in front of great crowds downtown at the Canada Life Centre, uh, really finally getting the sort of uh, uh, fans that I think the team of that caliber did deserve. Uh, but this is a very crowded sports marketplace um, there was no way to continue long-term at the University of Manitoba, and it obviously was something that the Western Hockey League wasn't comfortable with as well. So uh, the ice now moved to, I believe it's Wenatchee, Washington. Um, I imagine that will mean a little bit of uh, changes when it comes to the divisional makeup. Uh, but once again, the Brandon Weekings are Manitoba's team and only team in the Western Hockey League. And, uh, you know, obviously that's some, uh, some sad news when it comes to the sports scene today, Remo, with the uh, loss of the ice after, uh, you know, seeing so many talented young players play there. Lots of number one picks in the uh, in the draft. And, of course, Zach Benson, who's going to be uh, the center of attention for uh, one team when they call his name in the first round uh, when we get to Nashville in a week or two. Yeah, I can't say it's too surprising just based on the what midseason reports that you know they got fined by the WHL for not living up to their agreement of building a new arena, and you know the ice called fake news on that one, but uh, pretty clear. And the statement here put out by the WHL, unfortunately, multiple attempts by ice ownership to construct an arena facility of acceptable WHL standards in Winnipeg based on the agreed-upon timeframes, were unsuccessful, leading to the relocation to Wenatchee. And I don't know if, you know, it would have worked if they would have built the arena or not, but I do know the number one question. One of the number one questions since we do the show, anytime we brought up the ice, would be, when is the arena coming? When is the arena coming? That question and who is the new Jets play-by-play voice were asked, maybe the most frequently asked in our chat. And I don't know, you know, what happened to it, but... They it seemed like they had a plan and it didn't come up and there was never a new plan. And the update we would get from them is there is no update. And it's disappointing to see, it's disappointing that they're moving. I don't know if you can say 100% if junior hockey wouldn't have worked here. Um, you know, they didn't have a WHL facility and they were basically what the, the Coyotes of the WHL playing at the Max Bell Arena, Wayne Fleming Arena, Ice Cave. Um, so I think it's, Definitely sad. I'm sad for you know the employees there and and the fans. So um, that was the news today, uh, broken by Darren Dreger. Yeah, and I mean they had still. I mean there was a few things selling tickets for next year. I did see that they were out at a community event this year, but I mean I talked to some people and it was pretty clear at the end of the season a lot of people, very important people in that organization, uh, were taking jobs elsewhere, and um, that in a lot of ways I think the writing was on the wall. Um, and unfortunately, they fell just short of their goal 
to win a WHL championship and can compete for the Memorial Cup. There was a heck of a lot of great hockey played at that rink, and unfortunately not enough people got to see it. Uh, and that is the end of this stint of the Western Hockey League back in Winnipeg. So that was sort of the breaking news this morning. But, um, Remo, uh, we will get into bomber talk a little later on with Eddie Tate, who's going to join us from Regina uh, and tee up week two, bombers at riders. Uh, but let's get into the, uh, should we get right to the Dubois drama leadoff? Because uh, there is a lot surrounding Pierre-Luc Dubois, as well as a number of other Winnipeg Jets uh, from a number of insiders, including our pal Frank Saravelli. Yeah, do you know, we talked with, uh, sorry, oh. Murad had yesterday in his column in The Athletic that Pierre-Luc Dubois was interested in Los Angeles. That would be a team he would go to. So if you watch yesterday's show, Dennis Bernstein came on. You guys talked, is there a fit there? Would Quinton Byfield be a name? And Elliot did mention him uh, as a name. And Elliot was on 32 Thoughts today uh, talking about it. Hey, before we get into the clips, should we play the... And we yeah. played at the end yesterday, the Dubois drama. For sure. People may have song. missed it yesterday. I mean, we now have a Tristan Rivers original um, to get going with Dubois drama until the drama is over. Yeah, okay, wait, let me let me make sure it's all said and everyone can can hear it, but I think it's important to have, you know, have a bit of sense of humor in the situation. Uh, oh, here, you know, here, get that ready. One thing that I will say just before we, I'm going to ask Craig Button about this uh, a little later on. There was some Jets news after the show yesterday uh, the Jets signed Fabian Wagner, who was a sixth-round pick last year by the Winnipeg Jets, uh, had a strong season in the Swedish Junior League, did not really produce much at the uh, at the men's level, split his year between the two, and I believe had six points in seven games in the World Junior Hockey Championship. So uh, another member of last year's draft class, which is shaping up to be one of the best ever for the Winnipeg Jets, signed to the organization uh, along with Elias Salmonson, uh, Brad Lambert as well, and uh, Danny Zilkin. Of course, Dom DiVincentis was the goalie tender of the year in the Ontario Hockey League, and uh, Rucker McGrory, who does not have a contract yet, returning for one more year to the University of Michigan. But uh, Craig Button is coming on, Marat as well coming on later on, Ed Tate and Andrew Collier will have marbles at 245. But uh, Remo, let's fire up the Dubois drama theme and get right into the latest uh, rumblings around the Jets. Sure, I do want to add one more thing on this Fabian Wagner. I have it, I have it ready. They did announce, they kind of snuck in in that press release that the Jets rookie camp is back. It you know hasn't been around because of the pandemic and... And all you know took a couple year hiatus, but it is back the week after the draft. The prospects will be here, so I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, who's coming to Winnipeg. They haven't put out a you know the schedule and, and all that, and um, that was I thought that was uh, no. So Fabian Wagner will be in Winnipeg with that. But anyways, let's get to the uh, Dubois drama. Oh, God, that cracks me up. Tristan Rivers, 
with the uh, the Winnipeg Sports Talk Dubois drama theme. We've got a spinning logo now. We've got a theme. You know, honestly, I think this has taken its toll on probably Dubois, his agent, the Winnipeg Jets. I'm going to be sad to, to to have all this over, Remo, because it's been nothing short of amazing content for us and everyone in the chat every day. You look at our con- I I don't know what I'm going to do when this trade goes down. I really hope it never happens and it just drags out because you look at some of our most popular videos. I mean, we had 1,000 people in here last summer. After Pat Brisson <laughs> said, said, you know, Montreal is a place that he'd like to go to. And I put out the video of you and Ken last week. I mean, that's got over 9,000 views. So, uh, I mean, it's been a, a gift for in terms of content, but not really a gift um, for the Winnipeg Jets. No. Uh, and, and listen, um, you know, there's, there's a lot more going on than just Pierre-Luc Dubois, which is what makes the Winnipeg Jets the most fascinating team going into the draft. We've got a bunch of audio to play for you. And let's start it off with Elliot Friedman um, because we had heard that the Los Angeles Kings were a team that was interested in. I mean, I had mentioned, you know, a couple months ago on this program that, you know, if you were going to trade a Shifley or a Dubois, who would you be looking for? And I mean, what a younger player with potential that was under team control was a must. And the name Quinton Byfield came up, and uh, it certainly sounds like there is a little more traction to that when you hear Elliot Friedman weigh in on the situation as he did on 32 Thoughts. This is how it sounded. So I have thought for a lot that Dubois was going to end up in Montreal. Well, we all did. And I don't think I'm alone here, but I know I've been very bold about it. My feeling on this, and and this is the thing I'm always careful with, because as Isaiah Thomas once told me when I was starting out in the business, around the draft, everybody lies. Everybody has an agenda. And I'm always careful about this. But I think the Kings have made this interesting. One of the more recent podcasts, they said, I think they're in this. Mm Mm-hmm. I think they've leaned in very hard. And I think that they've made it very clear to Winnipeg. If they haven't made an offer, they have they have basically let Winnipeg know we're in and we're willing to make this work. We'll see. You know, initially you talked about Rangers, Minnesota. Yeah. And I'm, I don't think you're wrong. I'm, I'm not like trashing my co-host. I don't like that. But I think the Kings are very much in this now. All right. So there's Elliot Friedman. Um, and, 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 you know, earlier in the week, and we played this and talked about it, he did say that with the potential acquisition of Dubois, what that means for Quentin Byfield. And as I said, we'll ask Craig Button about that coming up in a few minutes. Um, here's Jeff Merrick kind of responding to Elliot on that topic of PLD. I also put Tampa and Dallas in there too. You want to trash those two while you're <laughs> yeah, did Elliot? <laughs> no, I, but you also mentioned Colorado on a one-year play. Yeah. Like, I don't think that's impossible, mm-hmm. but I think we're going to let the Kings exhaust their possibilities here. Yeah. I think this is very real. All right, so uh, there you have it. Um, you know, it's dialed in as anyone in the National Hockey League, Elliot Friedman, with that report. A- a- and to be honest, Reem, I mean, again, from you know a Jets perspective, for Jet fans, people that you know want to see 
the best for this organization moving forward. This is exactly what I think we all hoped would come out of the report in The Athletic a week or two ago that Pat Brisson was going to be involved. There would be five to six teams. A sign-and-trade deal would be on the table. Um, more than just being forced to take whatever you can get from the Montreal Canadiens, which had been basically the uh, the assumed result of this dating back to, well, the start of Dubois drama about a year ago. Yeah, yeah, that was the start of it a year ago. And, you know, it was a bonus for the Jets to hear, you know, that you could force a trade to a number of teams. And we'd speculated the Kings with their number of prospects and, you know, just how close they are uh, to competing for a Stanley Cup, you know, missing a couple pieces. Are they missing uh, the goaltender because they don't have one? Right now, Corpus Allo is a free agent, and Dubois, you know, who's represented by Pat Brisson, and Dennis Bernstein was on yesterday mentioning his friendship with uh, Luke Robitaille. There's a connection there. Could they broker some trade? They have all these prospects. The Jets, you know, could, you know, they could uh, take on a guy like Quentin Byfield, and he could you know, go into the lineup and play. Um, certainly interesting, and something, you know, we're people are tweeting at us, hey, he said this about... Uh, both Dubois. So that was a, the rumor of the day here for a Dubois drama. Yes. Well, and just wait. We've got some clips from Frank Saravelli. I mean, absolute fire from Frank on DFO yesterday. Um, but just before we get to that, Pierre Lebrun in The Athletic has his uh, latest rumblings piece. And, um, you know, with all this talk about Dubois potentially going to the King, Connor Hellebuck was another guy that I think was front and center um, you know, of potential acquisitions for them at the goaltending position. Uh, Pierre's maybe put a bit of cold water on that um, about the need and goal. He said it's more likely the Kings go with the cheaper compliment for Phoenix Copley because they're tight against the cap after the Vladislav Gavrikov extension. Gabe Velarde, who's an RFA, needs to be resigned, assuming he's not a part of some package going the other way. Uh, and then, you know, he does mention about, you know, potentially Loren Brassois maybe being a fit for the Kings if Vegas re-signs Aiden Hill. Here's the key bit, though, about Hellebuck, and I'll just read this from you uh, from Pierre's column. One thing to remember about Hellebuck, who's got one year left on his contract at 6.1 mil AAV. Teams poking around at him understand that the goalies camp is looking for an Andre Vasilevsky-esque money, 9.5 million AAV in an extension. And then he goes on to say he doesn't blame Kellbuck's camp for wanting that, considering how he's played, uh, but also wondered, after watching Aiden Hill win the Cup the past week, um, you know, what's the appetite to tie up that sort of money on a goaltender nowadays? That being said, you're getting the most consistent, uh, one of, if not the most consistent goaltender who's done it over and over, game after game, year after year, and has been the workhorse of the National Hockey League over the last six years. Um, but let's get to Frank. And Remo, you sent this to me last night. I had to listen to this a couple times. And folks, get on over to a Daily Faceoff. This was the DFO rundown from yesterday. Um, but Frank Saravelli, maybe with some of the most pointed comments about the Winnipeg Jets situation um, that we've heard as of yet and some really as well as some interesting stuff on the Shifley situation uh, but Remo let's just get to three Frank talked about 
um, you know, many people thinking that Chevaldeos hands were tied or this was a bad thing. There's also a major opportunity in the situation the Jets find themselves in right now. Kevin Chevaldeos, for the first time in his in six years, eight years, whatever it's been, can sit at his desk these next two weeks and view the Jets franchise like Play-Doh and remold it and reshape it into something awesome. You've got the premier young center on the market in Pierre-Luc Dubois, the premier goaltender in Connor Hellebuck, Mark Scheifele playing at a level, level that still vastly exceeds his cap hit. That's not woe is me. That's opportunity. Yeah. That is, this is Jets 3.0. All right. There's Frank uh, with a, uh, his take on the situation that the, uh, that the Jets find themselves in with the shovel day, uh, with shovel day off. Now, Many people will say, you know, with all these players on the block, I mean, you can't move them all, can you? Frank says that you can't. Moving all four, Frank, in one summer would, would be you different. you have to. You think you have to? I, I don't know how you can piecemeal this together. Like, could the, could the Jets go down the same path with Dubois that the Sens are with the Brinkett? You could, but it'd be way easier to just rip the Band-Aid off and trade the player. Right, so there's Frank a little bit more from uh, the DFO rundown with uh, Jason Greger yesterday. Now, um, there's been all sorts of speculation on Blake Wheeler's future. Um, his spot within the club, losing the captaincy last year, what he had to say sort of leading the charge of frustration at Rick Bonus's comments afterwards. And Frank maybe was some of the most pointed comments on the situation that the Winnipeg Jets find themselves in with their former captain. Here's Sarah Valley on... Uh, the need to move on from Blake Wheeler. Some of this is hearsay because I'm not there, but they made a decision to strip the C off of Blake Wheeler's jersey last last fall before the season started. He didn't wear the C, but he still wielded significant influence over that team and their locker room. And I think in a negative way, I think you have to, you have to move on. And I don't want to say cancer but you got to cut it out you got to get rid of him you cannot go through that again this team needs to formally be turned over to the next the next wave of connors and Ealer and marcy you have to got to do it all right so there's that frank and, and it was interesting uh because we played yesterday i believe in drager's conversation with Jay Onright on SportsCenter a couple nights ago after Vegas won the Cup. Um, he did mention, for the first time, I think, from Dreger, who's very tightly um, connected to Shevel Dayoff, that, you know, a buyout is an option. And that, I know, is not something that road that they wanted to go down right now, uh, or ever, to be honest. But it might be something that that has to happen. Now, there's one other clip here. I mean, we've spent so much time talking about Dubois for obvious reasons. Hellebuck, Mark Scheifele's situation is sort of taken a little bit of a back seat, but it is still a major, major piece for the club and a major decision to be made moving forward. I have been of the opinion that I didn't think there probably. I think there was some realization within the organization that the time to move on was now with Mark Shifley and for many of the same reasons with Blake Wheeler, a fresh start elsewhere and a fresh start for the team probably makes a lot of sense. Frank dug in a little bit more and uh, I have a feeling certainly from listening to Frank that the feeling on that 
sounds like it's mutual. Here's Sarah Valley on Mark Shifley's situation. And then where does that leave Shifley? Well, look, I think talks to this point have been amicable. And I did hear rumblings last week that the Jets were in a spot where Shifley had asked for a trade. That's been met with some significant denials. But the point is, Mark Shifley's, I don't, I don't think there's a path forward for him to re-sign there. So maybe you can bring him back and play out the year and maybe things end up being different and you seize on the value that he has relative to cap. But I think the value is so much more in someone else's pocket than yours. All right. So there's Frank. And I mean, this is something that I've been saying for the better part of the last couple of years. Um, you know, this is an asset with an attractive contract that will bring back some significant assets to the Winnipeg Jets. We know that this team is not in a position to lose top players for nothing. And if it sounds like Shifley's looking at greener pastures, if you will, after this, after this contract is done, um, you know, I guess, could you bring him back and trade him at the deadline at some point? Sure. I guess, could you bring him back and just let him play out the contract? You should, you could, but I don't think that is in the best interest of the hockey club. And I'm sort of with the, with Frank at this point, Remo, you know, you can trade all these guys at once. And it is an incredible opportunity to completely remake and overhaul this Winnipeg Jets roster. I think a lot of people would agree that the time for that is now. Yeah, remold, remake, reshape, take your pick. But I really enjoyed hearing Frank's optimism on the situation that, hey, this is a great opportunity. You have players that other teams want to give up, you know, give up you know assets and you know it could be draft picks and uh you know young players for so you know i don't want to judge what they're going to do we got to see what the return is but you know that was the first that we had heard that about he said what mark shafley he reported mark shafley he had heard about a trade request but it was significantly denied and look i, I said to you before the start of the show the winnipeg ice significantly denied any fines from the whl and look they're on the move right now they just got sold so uh, I don't know what that means from Frank, but he did say that he doesn't expect Shafley to resign. And if they're not going to resign, That's then the you need to. Thing. That was yeah. the most important. You need to get what you can, and you got to you got to try to reshape this thing and bring back a different kind of culture for next season and a different group. And you got you got a great opportunity ahead of you to do that. Yeah, show day off. And Larry Simmons did an incredible job of inking Mark Shifley to that eight-year deal that became a real bargain. There's still one year left on that. It is still a bargain by his production. And, um, you know, the, the, the end of the legacy of Mark Shifley at some point here, people remember fondly all the great things that he did in a Jet uniform. Um, but also there's a potential for a significant return. And we certainly know that 40 goal scorers are in demand in the National Hockey League, especially when you can squeeze them into your cap at just over $6 million, at least for next season. Uh, and I think wherever Mark goes, I mean, assuming that there's not an extension as part of the deal, this is going to be a very motivated player to uh, maybe um, restore some of his uh, image and reputation around the league. Um, and bottom line, play his ass off and have a great season and cash in for what will really be his last opportunity for a big money contract in the National Hockey League, whether it's as a UFA 
or whether it is with the team that he eventually ends up with if he is traded right now. Uh, Marat's going to join us a little later on. I'm really looking forward to that. Of course, we will talk Bombers with Ed Tate in Regina. But coming up in a second, we'll hit all of these topics with TSN's Director of Scouting, uh, our pal Craig Button. Just before we do that, uh, Father's Day is coming up, everyone. And our friends at Modern Man Barbershop want to spoil the Dapper Dads this Father's Day. From now until June 19th, purchase a $40 gift card and they'll load it as $50. Bucks. Plus, you can visit Modern Man on Instagram at Modern Man Barbershops for a chance to win a year's supply of Dapper Dan hair products. Modern Man Barbershops now with eight locations in Winnipeg, offering haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Book your look online via modernmanbarber.com. Uh, the weekend's here. Summer's here right now. Why not make 2023 the year you take the plunge with Aquatech? Visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. The Aquatech team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. And whole home rentals start with Aquatech as well. With thousands of renovations as their foundation, let Aquatech upgrade any space in your home. Aquatech's ready to make your rental dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech.ca. Uh, who's heading to the lake this weekend? Who's getting on the water? What's your battery situation for your boat? Well, if you need one, good news, because as part of Manitoba Battery's 10th anniversary celebrations, the boat battery blowout sale is on now until June 17th. Check out some of these great deals. A regular 10-inch 140 min reserve capacity deep cycle battery for 105 or a higher quality AGM version of that same 10-inch battery that usually sells for 219s on for 139.50 or if you want to get on board with the hot new lithium technology 100 amp hour, or 100 amp hour lithium battery that only weighs 22 pounds is just 599 which is a $200 savings any way you slice it Manitoba battery as you covered for your boat battery needs you'll get the best prices in town waxing all the big box stores and Manitoba Battery will make it even more convenient for you because they'll deliver it to you anywhere inside the perimeter for free with any purchase above $60. Uh, the incredible prices, as I mentioned, are on sale until June 17th. For more information on the boat battery blowout sale, go to manitobabattery.com or pop by and see them at 1042 Logan Avenue. And hey, bombers are on the road tonight. That doesn't mean you can't crack a couple cold Canadian club and ginger ales to get into the weekend. The good news is they're on sale right now at your local Manitoba liquor marts or at your favorite vendors. And uh, everyone will be enjoying uh, maybe a little CC and ginger at the next Bomber game coming up a week yesterday, June 22nd, as the Bombers host the Lions Canadian Club. Available at your local Manitoba Liquor Mart's Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey in the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. All right, Marat coming up. It's been a minute since we've had him on the program. Looking forward to that. First, though, let's check in with Craig Button. A uh, little look ahead to the draft, but uh, let's first off start off with Craig's thoughts on everything happening around the Winnipeg Jets. Craig, what's going on? How are you? Uh, not much going on. I mean... Uh... Stanley Cup's been awarded. I, I'm dying to see the, the the parade up the Vegas Strip on Saturday evening. Everybody asks me, 
why are they having the parade at night? Well, I'll tell you why, because it's 40 degrees Celsius during the day. And Vegas, I mean, Vegas at 7 p.m. at night, it's just getting started, the, the, the show. So it's a perfect time to be going up and down the strip. But, you know, obviously a great story in Vegas with the Golden Knights and what they accomplished in their sixth season. But now we're into that next season, which is all the teams that fell short try to improve their group. Well, and just quickly, I don't want to spend too much time on Vegas, but we know the big swings that Kelly McCrimmon took, big risks, but big acquisitions. They had one drafted player in their lineup when they won the Cup. How do you think that resonates with other GMs? I mean, is there a chance that that sort of maybe pushes general managers in other locations to maybe get a little more aggressive and courageous, if you will, when it comes to moving players? You would think so, but... You know, I'm, I'm going to go two places here, and, and I'll start with Kelly. You know, Kelly was asked that question, and, and I'm paraphrasing him, and he was, you know, while you, you know, a lot of times you got to make tough decisions, and, you know, he goes, listen, this job is about tough decisions, and, and if you want to be good, you have to make tough decisions, and if you're leery about making these tough decisions, maybe you shouldn't have the job. That's a pretty big statement by Kelly, but he's right. Now, the Vegas Golden Knights won the Stanley Cup in their sixth year in the National Hockey League. The Edmonton Oilers won the Stanley Cup in their fifth year in the National Hockey League. A little bit different coming from the uh, WHA. And then the Philadelphia Flyers won the Stanley Cup in their seventh season. There is one common thread between all those teams. Ed Snyder, Glenn Sather, Bill Foley, and, and, and everybody that was involved, all were bold. All said, we're here to win it. We're here to be the best we can be. So when you ask me about, you know, does this set a template? Maybe in some cases, in most not. Because most of the time what I hear is how hard it is, how difficult it is, and, you know, all, all the things that go with it. Never once did you hear that from the Vegas Golden Knights. Never once did you hear that from Glenn Sather or Ed Snyder with the Philadelphia Flyers. Bottom line is, Kelly McCrimmon, George McPhee, Bill Foley set a template, set a standard, set a bar. Yeah, there might be a a couple of a handful of teams that might be a little bit more bold. All in all, not in the DNA. <laughs> well, I think most people would agree that the time for a bold move or two here in Winnipeg is upon us right now. I want to get to the draft with you in a minute, but I mean, what do you make of Kevin Sheveldayoff's situation right now, knowing that there is, I think, a team need and desire to move on from Blake Wheeler and potentially Mark Scheifele, and now almost being forced into move Pierre-Luc Dubois and Connor Hellebuck? Okay, so you're now dealing with reality, right? And, you know, Kevin Kevin last year at this time, he, he, he said, I believe in this group. And now, after a number of years, you know, it's really more difficult to believe in the group. And then you have players that don't believe in, in, in playing for Winnipeg any longer. I, I think it, sometimes it's difficult to look in the mirror and to really see reality. I believe this about managers. Managers have to see their team as it is, not as they hoped that it is or they wished that it was or they thought it could be, as it is. So here's where Kevin finds himself right now. He finds himself with a scenario, stifling the last year of his contract. Blake Wheeler, and, and there's no way it didn't sting Blake Wheeler when the captaincy was, was removed from him. And he's got one year left. Hellebach and Pierre-Luc Dubois say they don't want to sign here long term. That's certainty for Kevin Shoveldale. Now he knows what he has to do. And anything less than trying to procure the best deals, whatever they may be, whether it includes all four, whether it includes three of the four, whatever it is, 
That's what he has to do. There is no room for trying to couch this or trying to massage it in a different way. It's very clear what the intentions are of Dubois and Hellebach and where the team has fallen short. And that's, that's not all Mark Seifler or Blake Wheeler. They still have a lot of talented players on this team. They still have a lot of good prospects in their system. But this has to change. And Kevin Kevin Shoveldayoff has to be the architect of that change. Nothing, anything short of that is, 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 is not going to move the team forward. And Kevin will not be serving the Winnipeg Jets in the best manner. You know, one of the things that we've heard from some of the connected insiders um, is that the Winnipeg Jets are open for business, but they are not looking. And I mean, the, the word that's used is rebuild. I mean, we joke that you can have a number of, there's a dozen RE words, uh, call it whatever you want. I mean, I don't think this team's looking to be the worst team in the league and pick first overall. And they frankly have too much talent, but it's obvious, Craig, that there are big changes needed. What do you make of the messaging from the team that this is about making the playoffs next year and being competitive? Um, Is that more a message maybe to some of the players that are still on the team, a Josh Morrissey, a Kyle Connor, and Adam Lowry, that you know, while there are going to be changes, this team is not looking to take massive steps back, as difficult as that may seem if you're losing the sort of players the Jets may be? Well, well, difficult as it may seem, because... You're now dealing with certainties of what Connor Hellebuck delivers, what Pierre-Luc Dubois delivers, Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler. And 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 so whatever path Kevin is looking at in terms of maneuvers and moves and in, 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 in in, in moving those players out or solve over all of them and then trying to get players in, that's what people don't know. But you just mentioned it. Adam Lowry, Nino Niederreiter has got another year, Ehlers, Morrissey, uh, Kyle Connor, these are all really good players. These are, re- and and they're not the only good players. There's lots of good players on this team. So, I I, I think that great to have messaging, right? But the Winnipeg fan base knows. You like, you, you know, and, and they'll be patient and saying we'll wait, and they'll be and they'll say, show us. We're not we're not going to just take your word for it. And we the, the the Winnipeg fan base is a passionate hockey and Jets fan base. They know their stuff. They know what's going on. So now, this is why I say Kevin Sheveldayoff cannot couch this. You're not, you, you are not doing that. You've seen it. We've all seen it where the, the building isn't full anymore. It's not full because fans are, are not passionate about the Jets. They just don't see a, a value right now in investing time and money in this group. I believe that that will turn itself around once the team shows that it can, and maybe changes in that. But when we talk about rebuild, reset, whatever you want to do, maybe the first path for Kevin Dayoff is, hey, what kind of prospects can I get? What kind of draft picks can I get? Are there players I could get, a la what uh, Calgary did with Hubert Owen Weger? You know, what is the potential for that? But you might have to work in two phases. You might have to do the first phase and then look, okay, now that we've done this, what's the second phase of that? And, you know, like I'll use an example, it's like a knee replacement. You have to take out the old knee before you can put in the new new knee and then you move on from there and then you function better. And I think that's where the Jets find themselves. So maybe maybe you trade for prospects and draft picks and then you take those prospects and draft picks and consider what you can do to make your team competitive and challenging for a playoff spot this year. 
Craig, um, let's start with Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, we knew Montreal was a rumored destination for him, but it does seem like the uh, Pat Brisson opened to more teams as well as the willingness to do a sign and trade, which I'd imagine is a good thing for the Winnipeg Jets. The team we're hearing a lot about right now is the Los Angeles Kings. If you're Kevin Cheveldayoff and the Kings are aggressively looking to acquire Pierre-Luc Dubois, where do you start with an ask from Los Angeles? Well, well, so, so, so let me just, I, I, and I want to go back. Remember last year, Matthew Kachuk was going to St. Louis? Now, the last time I looked, Florida isn't in St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Pat Brisson understands. I mean, so, so because of his French-Canadian background, oh, yeah, Montreal. Well, okay, great. I get it. Like, you know, but there's lots of places that Pierre-Luc Dubois, I'm sure, would entertain. And there's lots of places that NHL teams, places that should entertain Pierre-Luc Dubois. So where am I going to start? Well, I'm going to start right with Quentin Byfield. And, you know, like to me, that is a place, if you're getting Pierre-Luc Dubois and you're the LA Kings, what are you willing to sign? And it's got to be some quality. Now, Quentin Byfield, I think, has made some real significant steps forward in his career, but that's that's where it would start. It wouldn't end there. That's where it would start, though. Very clearly, that's where it's got to start. And, and then you try to understand, okay, are there other prospects or players that might be closer to playing that could help us or not? But when you're talking about a player that's going to be 25 on June 24th and has the impact that Pierre-Luc Dubois has, like, you, you, you have to ensure that you're asking. I'll, I'll give you an example. In 1995, we drafted Jerome McGinley. We knew Jerome McGill was going to be a, we thought he'd be a really good player. He ended up being far better than we ever projected. But when we, when Joe Ewendike came on the market, we didn't know that that was going to happen. But when Al Coates said, it's Jerome McGinley, listen, we, we, we were uneasy, you know, and we, but at the end of it, we realized to get Joe Newendike, that was the price. Team wants Pierre Luc Dubois. You better be ready to hear the price. To, we're going to go back to be a bold. What do you want to do? You want to be bold or not? Or do you want to sit on the sidelines? Because the second part of that story is I can't begin to tell you how many teams were so bold to tell us after the fact that they offered a better player than Jerome McGinley. They couldn't believe that the Calgary Flames only got Jerome McGinley for Joe Dane. <laughs> Only, only Jerome McGinley. I know, I know. And like, I remember Les Jackson. I remember Les Jackson. We were in Boston at the World Junior, and somebody was one of the team, and he, he, and he just basically told the team. He said, "Your player isn't even close to Jerome McGinley." And he says, "If you think you are, and that's what you were offering, that's why you didn't get Joe Dumont." <laughs> Craig Button, TSN's director of scouting, with this here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, I think there's a lot of people that are intrigued about the pedigree of Byfield, the second overall pick, but haven't seen him a lot. Um, he hasn't really popped yet at the NHL level. Where is Quinton Byfield at and what, what's the ceiling? Because I think for the Winnipeg Jets, they have to be looking at a younger player under team control and a player that has the potential, Craig, to you know eventually replace one of these top two centers that uh, will be probably out the door in the next couple months. See, what I love what you just said, top two centers. I think the first thing here is his understanding what Quentin is. Quentin's only going to turn 21 years of age, I believe, in, in August. So, so he's a young player. He's a, he's a very young player. And that being said, you know, now you go and, and, and you consider, okay, is he a second-line center? Second-line centers are really, really good. 
I, 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 I've seen real progression in Quentin Byfield. And, you know, maybe people expected it to be sooner. But Quentin has always been a player that's moved along in a path. And, you know, the qualities he brings, he's, he's a smart player. And I think once he gets to an age where, where he's a little bit more mature physically, mentally, I think that's where you're going to see somebody shine and, and, and move forward. You know, I, I look at a couple of players. Nathan McKinnon was rookie of the year as an 18-year-old. It wasn't until his fifth year that he popped. <laughs> there was a lot of questions about Nathan McKinnon. He signed the big contract coming out of his entry. Oh, my God, can you believe you're giving Nathan McKinnon that? He's, an unbelie- he's a superstar. He's one of the best players in the whole world. The other player that comes to mind is Marcus Naslam. Marcus Naslam was in Pittsburgh, moving along. Took him a little bit of time, but boy, once he came along, he became a frontline player. I think Quinton, you know, do I think he's Nathan McKinnon? No. But I think the key word there, the key uh, aspect of this, be patient. I think there's a lot there with Quinton. Be realistic in what what that is. I think a second line center is what he can be, a really good one. But I think I've seen progression in Quentin, but that's that's what it's got to. That, that's the type of player that I think you talk about control, young size, uh, a skill level that I think would benefit any team. But certainly, if the if the Jets are looking in that regard, that that would be a guy that would be hot on my list. Uh, Craig Connor Hellebuck has been the uh, backbone of this franchise for the last number of years, and it seems inevitable that he will be moving on. Uh, from a general manager's perspective, when you have an asset like that, that can be such a difference maker for a franchise, um, how do you go about maximizing value for a player like that? And and what do you make of the market for a player like Connor Hellebuck right now in the National Hockey League? So I'm going to answer the second question first. Connor Hellebuck, and, and, and I've done this a few times, in the last six seasons, nobody's played more games than him. Only Andre Vasilevsky has won more games than Connor Hellebuck. Of goaltenders that have played 200 games or more, Connor Hellebuck has the fourth best save percentage in the entire league. You watch him lots. Like, like he is he is the he is the backstopper that when your team isn't playing well, he keeps in a game. He when your team needs you know the performances to to, to help you end up on the right side of the game, Connor is a, he's unique. There are very few goaltenders like him in the league. For me, looking outside in. If a Connor Hellebuck comes on uh, on the market, you're doing everything you can. You're moving heaven and earth to get that game changer, that difference maker. That's how I look at it from the other side. You know, yeah, okay. Do, do the Islanders need him? No, they have Sorokin. Do the Rangers need him? No, they have they have Shesterkin. We I talked about Vasilevsky. When you have a chance to improve your team in such an important position and in such a significant way with Connor Hellebuck. You better, you better pony up because, again, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. You asked me about, uh, will, will this change how general managers look at it? I don't think it's in their DNA, but there are general managers out there that it is in their DNA. And you want to improve your team. You want to be serious about what you say you're about, trying to compete and trying to move yourself closer to a Stanley Cup. You best be phoning Kevin Shovel Day off about Connor Hellebuck. And you better not be reticent about hearing what he's asking for on the other end. Listen, it's hard to maximize the value of such a quality player like Connor Hellebuck. That's the job of Kevin. How he does it, it might not just be in that one move. It might have to be in different ways. But 
Connor Hellebuck's a big-time player, and I think he should be a big-time person on the trade market. Uh, Craig, Mark Scheifele's been incredibly productive over the last number of years. He's got one year left on a deal that by today's market I think is very team-friendly. Um, what do you make of the demand for Shifley? What do you feel that how many teams will be interested in? There's the, is there a team or two when you look at the landscape of the NHL that would make sense and a good fit for Mark Shifley if he does move on from Winnipeg? Well, you, you just nailed it. I mean, the contract is fantastic. The productivity is fantastic. And, and quite frankly, I, like a, a change for Mike, Mark Shifley might be really positive. We've seen that happen, you know, you like I'll look just to re- recent examples. Ryan O'Reilly, you know, went from Buffalo to uh, the St. Louis Blues. Had, he won the cup. We, we know about Jack Eichel. So if you're looking for a player on on a great contract, and I don't know what what, what his demands are in terms of a long term contract, but if you're trying to just move forward right now, right here, Mark Shifley would be an excellent, excellent addition to your team. You know, I I, I don't know. Where like I don't know if the Winnipeg Jets have an appetite for it, but you you look at the Calgary Flames. I don't know if the Calgary Flames would be interested in Mark Shifley, and they have to look at it. But you you can't tell me that a, a center ice of Lindholm and Shifley isn't something that's really significant. Now I know the Flames have to work on some cap space and whatnot, but you start to look at those areas and you start to look at teams that very well could benefit from this type of player. Mark can do those things. The Carolina Hurricanes. I mean, you're looking at a big, strong, like player that can drive play in a city. And I think the Carolina Hurricanes need some size. I think they need some bulk, uh, like on the wings and in the middle of the ice. So those are just. I mean, one team for Calgary is it is more just about looking at that team. The Carolina Hurricanes, who 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 were a Final Four team, who are a serious team, and 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 been really good. I, I think that that would be a, a really good fit uh, for uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. And they very well may be able to meet Mark Shifley's demands on a long-term contract and be comfortable doing it. Well, and, and the one thing I'll say, Craig, is, you know, it, for instance, if it, if he did go to a team like Carolina, who's shown that they're willing to play things out and see how things go, um, you're going to get a player that I think – is going to be incredibly motivated for a number of reasons to have a big year. Uh, and at the top of that list is the fact that he's probably got one more big-time NHL contract in him, and that will be signed at the latest at the end of next season. You nailed it. You know, players are competitive. They're going to give their best. But you're going into that last year. You, you, you know that you, you're going to be UFA. You know you're going to have suitors. And you want to put yourself in the very best position I don't think it's about being more competitive. I think it's just about you, you know that in an 82-game season, you're going to be more dialed into every single detail of the game to make sure that you maximize your play on the ice, to maximize your greatest potential off the ice in terms of a contract. And to your point, that's exactly what you get at this point in time. Craig Button is with us. Uh, Craig, Obviously, we're kind of focusing in on the offseason right now and potential player moves for the Winnipeg Jets, but we're less than two weeks away from the first round and the rest of the draft in Nashville. Um, You've covered the draft for a long, long time. Where does the class of 2023 rank with the, uh, at least going into the draft, 
um, as far as some of the better drafts, including 2015. And uh, I mean, really over the last 20 years. Yeah, I, I think it's an excellent draft. And so, you know, it's easy to say, you know, Connor Bedard's in it. Yeah, and I see him as a generational player. And, you know, we've seen other really good players at the top. And so much of the time a draft gets defined by what's at the top of a draft. When I look at this draft, I see, a, and this is how I define the quality. I think it goes 20, 25 deep with top two line forwards and top three defensemen. And, you know, when you can go that deep in a draft, and in my view at this point in time and see that type of quality, I think that that defines it as, as, as really, really good. And, and teams, teams are going to have tough decisions to make at, at 14, at 18, at 11, because it's not like there's like, it, you know, you, how much of the time? Oh, tears, 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 tears. You know, when I see top two line forwards and just, I'll just give an example. Like, you know what? Do you want Nate Daniels there or Brayden Yeager? I, they're both really good players. I don't know. I don't know who's better. And that's where teams are going to, but I both think they're quality top two line forwards in the NHL or for years to come. So that's where you get deeper. Some team is going to make a choice of one of those guys over the other. And I'm not so sure that you, you, you can definitively say that one is better than the other, but that's how good it is. That's, that's the quality you have in a draft. And when these types of drafts come along, I think that makes teams uh, really excited for not only getting to the draft and getting a player that they're going to be happy with, but knowing that they're going to get a player that's going to perform for them for a lot of years and perform at a very, very good level. Um, You know, when thinking about this draft, you just mentioned 18. That happens to be where the Winnipeg Jets are picking. And... I mean, I guess there certainly is a potential or a possibility that maybe there's another pick added in one of those deals. But um, if you're just focusing on that 18th pick, well, what kind of a player do you think might be available for Winnipeg when they get to uh, the podium? Yeah, the way I'm going to look at it is, it is this way. I think that you can look at, at, at players, like they can look at defend, they can look at defensemen. I think they can. In my view, the, the three best defensemen in this draft are the two Swedes, uh, Sandin, Pelican, and Wielander, and then the Austrian Rhinebacker. Th- th- there is the possibility that no- none of those three will be there. Now, it's easy for me to sit down and go, okay, I don't see another defenseman there. Maybe the, the Jeff do. But I think because of the quality of forward that, 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 starts to get to, that starts to get to these points of the draft, I just mentioned Jaeger and Danielson uh, together, you know, but you, you start to go through the forwards and Bedard and Fantilli and Carlson and Meechkoff and Will Smith and Shala and Dvorsky and Barlow and Wood and Leonard and Richie, they're going to have a choice. It's not like, okay, we'll take who's ever left it. They're going to have to make a choice on a really good player uh, that I think is a really good player. And they're going to have to make that choice as well. And, what I see, though, is is somebody that's going to be real quality, real significant quality for them, and maybe even somebody that might be able to play within with not 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 next year, but maybe be closer to ready come the fall of twenty twenty four. That's also what you get with quality players that are a little bit more advanced. Uh, Craig, you mentioned tears when it comes to the draft. I mean, there's Connor Bedard, and then. You've got a group. It seems like, you know, Fantilli, Carlson, Michkov, Will Smith, 
Uh, is that sort of the next tier of that draft? And how close are those players to each other? I mean, is there one that stands above them all? Like, is, is it Fantilli by a mile for the number two pick? Or might that be a tougher decision for the Ducks than maybe a lot of people think? Well, he, he, here's what I would say. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think it's by a mile. Not at all. I mean, I, I can make a case for a lot of players. So I, I'm just going to go through a quick little exercise. And this isn't who... I'm just trying to say the style of game that they have. So I'm just going to say style of game that these players have. So I'm talking about McKinnon, Nicholas Backstrom, Kucherov, Zuboff, Zabanajek, Ranton, uh, uh, Jason Robertson, McAvoy. Like these are the types of players I think that you know Horvat, Tuck, Tage Thompson. You know, th- those types of players, Gensel, <laughs> you know, you, you, start to, you start to look at, at those types of comparable types of players. Like, tell me what the tier is. Like, like yeah, I mean, when you mentioned McKinnon, I'm, I, that's why I say style of game. I think Stan Tilly has a style of game like McKinnon, that frenetic pace, that speed. But, you know, Zach Benson might have a game like Patrick King. So, you know, you're talking about Patrick Kane, who's a heck of a player at that, you know, a little bit like, you know, not as big. You know, you know, you look at Jason Robertson, that's a really good player. And you start to move Matthew Wood, who I think has some similarities to Tage Thompson. You know, that's where you're at. And so I'm not so sure where the tiers are at, like, you know, with respect to going down the list. Like, I think Nate Danielson has a game like Elias Lindo. So, you know, as you get to different points in the drive, I, I meant as comparable types, these are all really, really good NHL players. So, you know, I'm not so sure that, you, you know, like Leo Carlson's really good, but Mistroff could be special. You know, Will Smith is, has got qualities that are, that, that are really, really unbelievable. And, but then you look at Ryan Leonard, who's a different game. And then you look at Gabe Parole, who has a, there's lots of really good players in this draft. And to me, I don't know where the tier is. Like, yeah, actor Bedard, and, and I would agree with you, Carlson, Fantilli, Meech, Goff, Smith, maybe. But I'm not so sure that that might not just be consensus. And, you know, there might be some other players that might end up being in that category of player as well. David Pasternak won 25th overall. He's a superstar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Craig, you know, compared to where we started the year, is there a player or two that, in your opinion, helped themselves the most? I mean, basically the biggest riser so far as far as where your ranking is as over the past year. Yeah, what, what I would say to you is is that, you know, we start off with a with a set of players and, and then you have a subset of players. And, and, and you're aware of the subset and you're aware of the set that have identified themselves maybe a little bit ahead at this point. And then you watch over a period of time. And so when we talk about risers, the way I put it in is, is it's players that have just maybe didn't, that weren't able to show as much of their, of their potential at the beginning of the year as they, as they do now. So for me, and, and I've watched Axel Sandin Pelica for 18 months, his progression has been significant. Tommy Nylander, I've watched it for, for 18 months, really significant. Matthew Wood, who was an excellent player in the BCHL, he goes to the NCAA as a 17-year-old first-year player, a point-of-game player. Massively impressive. And, you know, I watched 
Will Smith and Ryan Leonard and Gabe Perot and Oliver Moore last year with the NTDP under-17 team, the improvements that they made in the, like, you know, over the course of last spring to now, it's tremendous. Like, you, you, you can sit down and go, okay, I think that guy's going to be good and everything, but you also have to use indicators. And they might not have been there, but now you watch them and you got to keep your eyes open you see significant progress and that's how players move up and that's how players get ranked higher. And so those are just a handful of players that I see have really significantly taken their game forward. Carson Bjarnason. I watched him play some as a 16 year old at Brandon. Then you watch him in the summer. Then you watch him over the year. I mean, I would have never had Carson Bjarnason as a, as a, as a first round or top 32 uh, potential player. I certainly do now. That's just by, it's not so much about me watching him. It's about watching what he did. Craig, this has been so much fun. We always appreciate you having on. Just on the way out, the Jets signed Fabian Wagner yesterday, who was their sixth-round pick last year. I knew he played for Sweden in the uh, World Juniors and did quite well. Um, anything about the player for uh, for fans that um, don't really know much about this young man? Tenacious, really good skating player. He can play in a lot of different areas of your team. He can kill penalties. I think there's more offense in there with him. Like like a lot of Scandinavian players and, and Nordic players in the case of the Finns, their maturation, physical maturation period is a little bit longer. And 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 I think that a like a player like Fabian has like he's growing. He's he's getting more physically mature. So now we can impact the game a little bit more in in, in more significant ways. Like I thought last year when he went in the sixth round, I, I thought that was low. I thought teams, but I can't answer why teams, the Jets got a good player there. I think they have a, like, I would call him a solid B prospect. And a solid B prospect to me is somebody who's going to play in the NHL, be productive, but it might take a little bit of time. Won't be a frontline guy, but a player that can, uh, you know, certainly be part of your team and help you win. Craig, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, we appreciate it so much, and uh, hopefully we'll run into you down in Nashville for uh, what should be a very interesting week for the league, but especially the Winnipeg Jets. Well, if you're a Tootsies, we'll run into each other. <laughs> <laughs> See you there, Craig. <laughs> All right, great stuff with Craig Button. Really appreciate him joining us today on the program. Uh, Murata Tesh still to come. Bombers, Riders talk from Regina with Ed Tate, a check-in with the Gold Eyes. Marbles before the end of the program. Don't go anywhere. And by the way, we've got a great crew in here right now. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure to hit that red subscribe button and give a thumbs up for the show as well. Helps us spread the channel. Much appreciated, everybody. Um, hey, before we get to Marat, if you're uh, looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries... And Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, too. Get on down to one of seven Vita Health Fresh Market stores or online at myvita.ca with local delivery options. Barbecue season's in full swing. Get down to Vita Health and stock up on some delicious Vita Market grass-fed bison and beef steaks. And with Father's Day around the corner, men's health is top of mind. Garden of Life has created some unique formulas like Prostate Protect and Once Daily Men's to uh, support men's gastrointestinal health. Pick it up at any Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations and online at myvita.ca. Uh, our friends at Wallace & Wallace are Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialists. If your property needs the security and protection of a new fence or if winter did a number on your old one, 
Give them a call. They've got vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood fences. And if it's time to replace your garage door, they also have Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. It's as simple as a call to 452-2700. The Wallace & Wallace team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them online at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. And hey, uh, how's the closet looking, fellas, as we get into uh, summer and wedding season? If you need to up your menswear game heading into the uh, next couple months, you got to get down to F Apparel. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and incredible selection of menswear accessories. 15% discount for wedding parties as well. So if you're in a wedding party, talk to them about getting the fellas looking great for the big day. F Apparel is at 190 Smith Street downtown. You can make an appointment or find out more online at F. That's E-P-H-Apparel.com. And a big shout out to Nick and Nikki DQ. Great supporters of ours from day one and show one of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Four locations in Winnipeg to get your blizzard on. DQ Northgate, DQ Polar Park, DQ St. Anne's, and DQ Neverville. And, of course, you can also hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba if you need a custom blizzard or DQ ice cream cake. All right. It's been a minute since we've had our pal Murata Tesh from The Athletic on. Murata, welcome back to WST. How you been? Hey, I've been good. I've been great. I missed it. It's been a minute. How are you? Uh, listen, I'm great. I'm looking forward to uh, getting down to Nashville for the draft. That is going to be a wild week. And I mean, honestly, I mean, all of the like selfishly, I hope this just continues forever because it's great content. It's a lot of interest in the show and it certainly is giving us a lot to talk about. Um, here we are, Marat. I mean, uh, we're what, 10 12 days out from the first round of the uh, of the draft and I don't think there's any question that the Winnipeg Jets are the most interesting team right now in the National Hockey League with everything on the table heading into uh, the next month. I mean, how many teams can you point to with a Vezina Trophy winner who says he's not going to be around long term, a former captain, 90 plus point player who's probably on the way out? Uh, you know, a third overall pick who was traded for a second overall pick who um, has run rampant over teams in playoffs, but then intrigued us all by no shows at other times. I mean, and that's before you get to the top line center. Mark Scheifele could possibly be on the way out as well. I mean, if a team had one of those players as a potential move in a single summer, that would be a big offseason. Winnipeg could have four, and I don't know that all four get done. But it's an enormous, like paradigm shifting. The seismic, the ground is moving underneath the feet of the Winnipeg Jets this summer, whether they like it or not. I think. Yeah, and, and you know, like we heard from Frank earlier. I mean, yes, there's a ton of pressure on Kevin Chevaldeoff at this point, but with that and with these options comes a lot of opportunity for the Winnipeg Jets to truly reshape and overhaul a team that I think many would say um, it's time to do exactly that. I want to talk to you first off about the Dubois situation. And you know, we heard from uh, Elliot earlier uh, about the LA Kings being definitely involved. Uh, we haven't spoken with you since Arpon uh, Basu's uh, report a couple of weeks ago, which to me was the most significant report we've had as to how this is going to shake out. I mean, for a long time, Marat, we were kind of told or made to believe that it was Montreal or nothing. And the Winnipeg Jets are going to have to 
just take what they could get. Very clear that now with Pat Brisson's involvement, other teams being, uh, the Dubois camp being open to go to other teams, and the potential of a sign-and-trade deal that um, a situation that was thought to be sort of one-sided, I think has really opened up sort of in the Jets' favor, and we're starting to hear more interest from other places than Montreal in on Dubois. Yeah, and, and count me among those who thought it was Montreal or bust, especially all the way through last summer. I really thought that that was the lead, and you know, all the way through this season, I think even as... There were a couple of signs that maybe it wasn't. I couldn't get anybody to say anything to that effect. So you had to sort of go with what you knew, which was that Montreal was first and foremost. Um, and then even in the case where he opens his charity, he continues his work with the Vincent LeCavalier, now Pierre-Luc Dubois Foundation. Montreal's a special place to Pierre-Luc Dubois, and that's not going to change no matter what happens from here on out. But if you look to actually start putting the pieces together of a deal you realize anybody that Montreal might, you know, might have of interest to the Winnipeg Jets is somebody who Montreal would absolutely want to keep at this stage in terms of trade. And so Winnipeg, without the doors opening, without Pat Brisson and Pierre-Luc Dubois' camp willing to talk sign and trade with other teams, were painted into a corner that it was tough to see a successful out from, at least from my perspective. And I've talked to people. Um, it's not just me. It's not just you. It's not just you know, Arpin or, or whomever else who are writing that can't find a deal to make sense between Montreal and, and Winnipeg because Montreal's players are too dear, the ones that anyone in Winnipeg would want. So opening it up um, is a major deal. Five or six teams is a lot better for Winnipeg to work with here than obviously than just one. And it also helps. And, you know, I'm told the Los Angeles Kings are a front runner too. If anybody makes that deal happen as of this particular moment, that's who I would expect to make it happen. Um, they have prospects, they have young players, they have a diversity of quality of players too. It's not just, okay, well, Nick Suzuki, we're laughing at you for that, or Kirby Doc, well, he became the player we hoped he would, so forget about him. Um, you know, there are players at all sorts of abilities, and you can start to see packages evolve. Um, and, and that's why I think not only is it good for Winnipeg that five or six teams could be theoretically part of this, but a team like L.A. being part of it would be a good thing for the Jets as well. You know, and, and and it is funny that it's kind of come to L.A. because, you know, when we started talking about the framework of what a deal would look like for the Winnipeg Jets, what they would need to get back to make sense to move on from Dubois, even if they're sort of being forced in to do it, um, it's a player with high upside, it's younger, and it's under team control. And... I kind of use the example of a Quinton Byfield as the sort of a player that, um, you know, that, that certainly the ask would be for the Winnipeg Jets. And it's quite interesting to hear his name being thrown out because, of course, if they do get Dubois, they've got Kopitar this year, they've got to know for four more years. At a certain point, um, you know, there's only so many minutes to go out at that center position. And it certainly does check off the boxes of the type of player under team control that Winnipeg would look at. Um, outside of LA though, I know you've been doing a lot of digging. I mean, do we have any idea about some of the other teams not named the Montreal Canadians that might be on this list that, you know, might be quieter suitors when it comes to Dubois right now? Yeah. You know, I put together, uh, you know, a piece of the athletic that sort of tried to go over those and um, try to get a sense from, from talking to folks about who, theoretically could be on that list. 
and obviously Montreal number one. I think LA is a is a good example for a number you know number two, but could be the most likely at this stage. I think they're the most likely. But if you're Pierre Luc Dubois, you're looking for opportunity, big markets, uh, and the opportunity to win. So you know I believe a team like Colorado, if they can make something work for for Pierre Luc Dubois, would be of interest in in that direction. I've thought about the New York Rangers as well, and they have a, they're another team with a lot of great young talent, but enough of it that there are pieces you might see them moving. Um, you know, Lafreniere is a player that I'm not sure that they're sold on forever, and I'm not sure what it would take to, to you know, move him. But also certainly, you know, um, Braden Schneider is a defenseman there that I know Winnipeg would know well and would have had interest in the past. I think they've kicked tires on him. But a team like New York, you know, there's a big market there. It's close to home as well. The the commute to the foundation or his family or any of those sorts of things. I think that there are reasons to like a team like that. Um, but I'm looking at, at at teams on the cusp of winning with, uh, with young talent that could conceivably come back um, that are in big markets. Because I think Pierre-Luc Dubois is a guy who sees hockey as an enormous part of his life, but life is bigger than that. And I think that the the type of market that he ends up in will probably and this is just an inference he's not told me that but i think that that will um that will be a big deal for him moving forward as well yeah i mean listen i don't pretend to know him but just from what we've learned about dubois with the ups and downs some of the inconsistencies i think he'd be way better off going to a place like la than in the under the microscope in montreal um listen there is a romantic side of going home and playing for your hometown team that's not a normal market and being a French star going back there with the cost it would take to acquire him the financial commitment to sign him long term comes with a very unique pressure that um, it takes a special player and special person with a mental makeup to really thrive in that Um, so be fascinating to see how things continue with Dubois. He's far from the only guy, though, on the block that could potentially get moved. And, you know, Shafley and Wheeler, I think, are more organizational goals to maybe turn over those guys. But Dubois and Hellebuck has been reported not re-signing with the Winnipeg Jets. The onus is on the general manager to max out value if you are trading a Vesna Trophy winner and a player like Dubois. As it pertains to Hellebuck, I don't think there's any doubt that there'll be plenty of interest in his services um, where do you think the ask starts for Kevin Dayoff? I mean, it, if Connor Hellebuck, a Vezina Trophy winner and the workhorse of NHL goalies over the past six years is sent moving, what needs to come back to Winnipeg to make this make sense? I mean, that's a great question, and I don't have it zeroed in on specifically. And even looking at a comparable market, I mean, Roberto Luongo, Patrick Waugh, uh, Dominic Hasek from Chicago before he was Dominic Hasek or to Detroit when he was older or after like that. We don't really have uh, too, too many examples of guys in the Connor Hellebuck tier moving. And the ones that we have are far away and, you know, long in the rear view mirror at this point. Um, the the thing that I think about, though, with Hellebuck is that if you're moving him, Winnipeg's organizational depth without him is horrible. It's it's like with him, it's okay. You can count on him to play 65 games or what have you. You sign your cheap backup and you move on with it. The AHL is covered because there's good AHL goalies there. But you don't look at Arvid Holm or Oscari Salmon in to, to step into an NHL job next year. Um, David Riddick, you know, I, I don't know that what his future is necessarily either. 
Um, so if you're moving Connor Hellebuck, you need a you need a prayer at a starting goaltender coming back. And you know, I used the example the other day in my piece of a guy like Carter Hart um, because he's thought of around the league as somebody who will grow into a strong starter. He hasn't nailed that role yet. Um, and even if, to use Philadelphia as an example, it's Carter Hart, it's a pick, it's another young player, like it's a package um, around this sort of situation, I'm not sure that the Flyers, it makes sense for them because they've signaled rebuild and adding Connor Hellebuck is anything but. Um, so it's tough to nail that player. The, t- the tough part too, if you're Winnipeg, there are a few tough parts, and obviously the, the good part is you have one of the world's best, and that's a great starting point. But the tough part is the NHL has just watched Aiden Hill win the Stanley Cup. How many goalies played for Vegas over the course of the year? you got tandems all over the league. Data says tandems. You're getting um, so much more stars divided between more goaltenders for less money than what you would imagine Connor Hellebuck's long-term extension would be like. So this might not be the moment in history where if you had to trade Connor Hellebuck, you'd want to. At the same time, he's a great player. And I think that a good young goalie, a pick, a young player, that's the type of thing that you want uh, if you're with the Winnipeg Jets. Well, the fascinating thing about this is because there's so many moving pieces, the goalie, if you're if you're trading for a goalie, it doesn't necessarily need to be in the Hellebuck deal. That's right. Um, I mean, a Hellebuck deal could bring back a package that includes some, you know, help at center, for instance, and a younger player, and maybe a Shifley deal or a Dubois deal brings back some help in goaltending. Or, of course, there is the free agent market, uh, you know, for a guy like Corpus Allo or someone that you can go in and, you know, sign to not necessarily a six or a seven year deal, but a two, three, four year deal that sort of gets you into that window where maybe some of the younger goalie prospects like a DiVincentis might be able to graduate to uh, to the National Hockey League. Dubois and Connor are obviously the uh, main focuses right now. Uh, but as we heard from Frank Saravelli earlier, a lot of noise on the guys that have been here the longest, and that's Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley. Um, what is your sense of the situation for both of those players right now, Murad, as we get closer to uh, the draft in Nashville? I mean, yeah, let's let's start with Blake Wheeler, who's on that fishing trip up north right now. And it's it's interesting because clearly he's a person that still holds a lot of clout within the Jets dressing room and with a lot of the key players and all of those sorts of things uh, behind the scenes. He's putting together events and I think he arranged their Super Bowl party and all that stuff and dinner and all that like captains would. I think that he's still been a big part of uh, of the team culture. And at the same time, I think the Jets have realized that, okay, this it's time to move on to a next window. They explored trades last year. Nothing came to fruition. And I think that's largely around, you know, the, you know, the idea of retaining money over two seasons probably it was a tough spot for Winnipeg, but also other teams looking at 8.25 million, wondering about Wheeler's ability to keep his quality together over two years. That may have been a tough spot. Now, if they go back that route, which I expect that they are, and I, 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 I think that they would, I believe that a uh, 50% retained Blake Wheeler is a tradable option and an asset. And, um, you know, I, I believe that that's a player that you can move on from. I haven't thought they're going to buy him out. I don't think that's Jets' DNA, to be honest, in terms of looking at how they, they run their ship. But I do think, um, I do think that the overwhelming likelihood is that he's moved 
the funny thing would be is, you know, if for whatever reason, I'm not putting this forward as the likelihood, you know, I think Wheeler had an, a much better time of things, not being the guy asked to speak every day. I think he probably enjoyed this season a little bit more than the most recent ones. If for some reason, you know, Mark Chipman, Blake Wheeler, Kevin Shevel, they all get together and think that, hey, you know what, we can figure out a way to lessen your role and keep you around. Personally, I don't see it. I'm just saying. Um, but anyway, as I'm rambling, but my, my thought is that he's moved. I don't know for what. I don't think he's a tremendously valuable trade piece. But Shifley is. Um, one year of Shifley at 6.1. I can't remember offhand. It's been vacation brain, but at 6, 6.125. Is that yeah. Mark Shifley? Yeah. Um, so I think that that has value. I think that Winnipeg... Um, has to listen on him, has to use him as a potential and potential chip. And like you mentioned with Hellebuck and Dubois, Hellebuck doesn't have to be the guy that gets the goalie. Dubois doesn't have to be the guy that gets the center. Shifley, I wonder about. There are some teams you look around that could use center help. What if Boston moves uh, Jake DeBrusque so they, ha- they get their way out of their cap space situations? What if... Um, Bergeron and Krejci don't return to Boston and now they need help up at forward and Jeremy Swayman is available for the taking because Linus Ulmark covers you off if you're the Boston Bruins and that's a, a, a scenario I've wondered with respect to Mark Shifley the one thing that I can't end a big monologue like this without saying is that in Shifley's case as much as I think the pressure is to move him and that I don't necessarily think that they're on the cusp of an extension or anything to that uh, effect at this moment. I think if you're moving Hellebuck and you're moving Dubois and probably Wheeler as well, um, if you're the Winnipeg Jets looking at two missing center positions and a missing starting goaltender, you might think to yourself, well, shoot, we have a little bit more pressure to keep this guy around or Kevin Sheveldayoff having success with holding on to UFA Andrew Kopp until the trade deadline, then making that trade Shifley is the one guy, and I think I'm the only one saying this, so I'm probably wrong, but he, for, for me, he's the one guy that you might imagine a short-term something with just to help Winnipeg out of this horrible situation that it's in. Yeah, you know what? I mean, I guess there – I mean, certainly that would be a possibility. I don't think that that – I mean, we just heard from Frank who said that, you know, he had heard that Shifley had actually requested a trade at some point. There were denials to it. But at the end, I mean, I don't think there's a long-term extension coming in Winnipeg. I'm not sure that there is even the want on the player's side of things, but I also think there's realization within the organization that it is time to move on. And I'll say one thing. I mean, the general manager and the owner obviously have really close ties to those players and everything that they've done for Winnipeg. Uh, I don't think the head coach feels the same way. And especially considering the way things ended last year, Marat, I think it would be very, very difficult to expect Rick Bonus to come back at the beginning of the season and kind of try to really establish the continued culture change with either of those guys in the Winnipeg Jet dressing room. Yeah, that's tough for me to argue with, to be honest. I think that those two players, and Wheeler especially, just because of his longer tenure, the captaincy and all of that, and I think his... I think they're both big personalities, but I think Wheeler would be the even the more intense of the two. Um, they've had their run. You know, they were the front runners on this team. And like this idea of the Twin Towers, as long as Wheeler was an elite right wing and Mark Shifley was a productive first line centerman, 
the Winnipeg Jets had a shot. They had that, and they had the 2017-18 push, the 2018-19 attempt, and all those sorts of things. That chapter, I mean, sometimes chapters end, and I think that this is exactly what that is. You heard, you know, when I asked Wheeler, you know, how he would evaluate his last five years since signing that 2018 extension, and just the reflective tone, the reflective tone of like, you know, it was about trying to win. We didn't necessarily get there. Proud of some things, not proud of other things. It's... I think this is one of those unique situations where my best guess is it's not just the fans, it's not just the players, it's not just the management. Probably all parties align here in that it's probably best for everybody to move on um, and and give the organization a breath of fresh air. Because you can't say you didn't do everything to give those guys their shot. No, there's no doubt about that. And Rod, what is... What is actually somewhat humorous, I mean, for those of us that obsess about this and, you know, your job is to, to follow every aspect of the Winnipeg Jets. We're talking Dubois, Hellebuck, Shifley, Wheeler. There's almost no conversations at all heading into the draft week about the logjam on the blue line, young players that are no longer waiver exempt. I mean, that is probably the under-discussed story. We spent a lot of time last summer talking about it. That situation is even more critical. And I uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on potential other pieces being involved in these deals or separate trades involving the blue line to sort of change the way things look and not be in danger of losing a Hanela or Chisholm for nothing the way Johnny Kovacevic walked last, last year. Yeah, so correct me if I'm wrong, but the timeline on this is that Chisholm is no longer waivers exempt, but Hanela would have another year on that, right? So um if uh, if I I've got both, that, I thought both of them, to be honest, were uh, I, I could be wrong on that. I thought both of them were uh, were waivers exempt uh, at this point. I see. Uh, it's uh, it's one of those situations where this is my first time back at you. Um, so I'm a, a pull up cap friendly. I think that I think he maintains his waivers exemption. That's Hanela. But if I'm wrong, blame it on vacation brain is my first time back talking to you. Um, but it is a problem. It is a situation where we've seen Kovacevic go, and for what? To, to maintain a recently signed um, uh, player who, I mean, uh, how many games did Kyle Calpo Bianco get into? Was that worth uh, the hidden gem that was Jonathan Kovacevic that Winnipeg drafted and developed? And you have Jimmy Roy talking to Merrimack College and all of the different developmental things that you go through, big part of the Moose culture, all that sort of stuff. I mean... Does that make sense organizationally? If you do the same thing with Declan Chisholm or Billy Hanela, should it come to it at some point? Like that, it it's it's not a good asset management, especially if you believe, as I do, um, that uh, that Kyle Capobianco, a signing that they made, smart as it was, good value as he was, they're the sort of players that can come around. You know that that there there are more Kyle Capobiancos out there. I think so. Losing players for that. I think that that is an issue. You know that Logan Stanley's asked for more minutes or move me. You know Ville Hanel has asked for more minutes or move me. Um, those aren't requests that the Jets have any pressure to entertain, to be clear. But that's that's a situation around young defensemen in, in Winnipeg right now. Um, the one thing working in Winnipeg's favor heading into this summer compared to last, and it's only a small thing, it doesn't change the scenario overall, is you can point to some steps forward from those veterans that are maybe a little more expensive. I mean, Brendan Dillon had a heck of a season this year, thought he was good in the playoffs as well. Uh, Neil Pionk did not necessarily have a good season, came around in the playoffs a little bit. 
Um, so Pionk wouldn't support this. Nate Schmidt, though, delivered good production and good value for a third line, sort of third pairing defenseman, not for a $6 million defenseman, but for a third pair as well. You can point to some success, I think, on the blue line now, but you can't point to anything but it's crowded there and Winnipeg's at risk of losing players that it's put development time into for not very much. And the scary thing if you're Winnipeg is you're not necessarily saying that you want to rebuild. It's about a retool. It's about something quick. Um, If they're looking to stay competitive, it might be the young guys that go and not the veterans in front of them. Marat, great having you back on the program. Uh, Every day uh, we've got new things to talk about surrounding this hockey club. Uh, We'll look forward to getting you back on next week. And of course, draft week will be a big one uh, for everybody involved. And, uh, We'll keep our eyes on the athletic throughout the weekend in case anything goes down. Thanks so much for doing this. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll talk next week. (laughs) I'm sure we'll still have plenty to get to. Thanks so much, Us. Thank you. Good stuff. There's Murata Tesh. You can read his latest in the athletic. What we're hearing about Pierre-Luc Dubois, Connor Hellebuck, Blake Wheeler, and the Winnipeg Jets future. And, of course, you can follow him on Twitter at WPG Murat. We're going to get to uh, the Bomber game tonight. And speaking of the Bomber game, Princess Auto, great sponsors of the Blue and Gold and the host of the Princess Auto Tailgate Zone before every Blue Bomber home game. Make a plan to get there early. It opens at 5.30 before Thursday's home game against the BC Lions. 3.50 popping hot dogs, $5 beers, entertainment, and more. Princess Auto is also the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. See a Thursday at the Princess Auto tailgate before Bombers Lions. Uh, the gang down to Consolidated Supply are our leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf, and new and used golf carts is the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba. They've also got other great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchen options, and of course, small engine parts and repair. Pop by and see them at their showroom. Open to the public, 1395 Niaqua Road East, or find out more online at cte.ca. Big tent sale tomorrow at Royal Sports. One day only, beginning at 10 a.m. We've got 2,000 plus pairs of shoes they're blowing out all at $25, some of the top brands around. If you've never been to a Royal Tent Sale and you have needs for kicks, get on down there. There really is nothing like a Royal Tent Sale. Obviously, plenty of other things on sale as well, uh, but the shoes is really where it's at. 25 bucks for every pair in the tent. That gets going tomorrow at Royal Sports at 750 Pemina Highway. And by the way, shout out to Canada's men's national team. 2 nothing win last night over Panama. Heading to the final of the Nations Cup against the United States on the weekend. They've also got a great selection of Canada soccer gear and tons of stuff on sale coming out of the World Cup. So check that out as well when you're down at Royal Sports for the tent sale tomorrow. And just before we bring on Eddie Tate, if you're looking for a great spot to take in the Bomber game tonight, maybe keep your eye on some primetime golf at the U.S. Open. Get over to Boston Pizza. The best place to get together with friends for the big game is always your local BP. With ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and the latest from the BP feature menu. And hey, if you're staying in tonight, you can always get the great taste of Boston pizza by ordering online at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's get out to Regina and welcome in Ed Tate from bluebombers.com to tee up an early meeting between the Prairie Rivals. Eddie, what's going on? How are you? 
Fantastic. Huss, how are you, man? Great. Game day. Weekend's here. Uh, looking forward to it. And uh, it's always fun when the Bombers play the Riders, although it did take me by surprise when I kind of got through the home opener. And go, okay, where are the guys at next week? Oh, wait a second. Regina in week two? Uh, but we can never, especially right now with the success the Bombers have had over the Riders the last few years, can never get enough Bomber Rider matchups. No, this is always, I mean, Labor Day Classic's fun. The Banjo Bowl's fun. So it's like an extra an extra taste of the rivalry. A, a few of us went for a walk this morning after breakfast, and I guess we were all wearing bomber T-shirts because we sure heard some uh, trash talk from people out <laughs> in the park. And uh, my buddy Darren Cameron is really good at giving it right back to them too, uh, reminding everybody that it's uh, seven wins in a row for Winnipeg over Saskatchewan and uh he even chirped at one guy. Said, "I hate the blue. I hate the blue bombers, and I hate the blue that you're wearing." And Darren said, "Yeah, well, I got two uh, championship uh, rings in my jewelry box back home, so it's only in Regina on the for the bomber rider rivalry." <laughs> Everyone gets into it. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, just before we get into uh, into the, tonight's game, I did want to ask you about uh, just thoughts on the opening game. I was talking to a few of the fellows at the Seabears uh, game on Monday, mm-hmm. Patty Newfeld in particular, and I'm like, that was the most lopsided game that didn't really look that lopsided on the scoreboard. I mean, there was a lot of great things the Winnipeg Blue Bombers did, but that incredibly bizarre period in the second half made that one a game. It did. You know, it's, it's funny because you look at the final score, like you say, and it's 42-31, I think an 11-point win. And yeah, it must have been tight, and it was for a while. They needed a field goal late from Sergio Castillo to kind of put that one away. But there were some bizarre things that led to that uh, that moment, those moments that you talked about. Like Winnipeg doesn't usually give up punt blocks, period, let alone one for a touchdown. And then there's the the kickoff that gets bobbled and returned all the way down into the near the goal line. And then – the fumble by Zach that was returned for a touchdown. Like in a matter of minutes, a game that looked like it was Winnipeg was going to blow towards the uh, Hamilton becomes a little bit more interesting for all the wrong reasons. But uh, I don't, I, you know, I think those are anomalies. I, I'm, I'm sure most people in the Bomber organization sure hope they are, but uh, it, it, it did kind of damper what would have been a, a really dominant performance. It still was, uh, except for two or three mistakes that really cost them. Yeah, I mean, to me, the defense looked, um, I mean, looked amazing, um, mm-hmm. all things considered, and uh, the offense as well. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, they did have that fumble that went for six the other way, but overall, a great performance. What um, what did Coach O'Shea think about the the overall special teams? I mean, obviously, Sergio Castillo was money. is exactly what they expected when they brought him back. Um, was there concerns about some of the other aspects of, I mean, obviously the punt block goes without saying, but also kick coverage and whatnot. I, I kind of thought that if there's one area that maybe the coach would look to clean things up, it might actually be on special teams. Yeah, that came up right after the game and in a couple of days afterwards at practice hustle, they were talking about those mistakes on special teams. And they just, the, the answer from Coach O'Shea and everybody involved was, we'll fix it. And I think, uh, you know, uh, you kind of live with the, uh, uh, the Janarian Grant is, is a, the, I think, the da- most dangerous returner in the CFL. He's going to put the ball on the ground a couple of times during the course of a year. And that happened in the first game. The punt block, like I said, that's unusual. A kick coverage. You have to remember that some of the bottom end of the, of the roster has changed too, right? There's a lot of new faces on special teams. Mike Miller's not playing. That impacts your kick cover unit. Big time. <laughs> yeah, right. So, uh, 
I think uh, that stuff gets rectified in a hurry. Sometimes we forget that training camp buzzes along really quickly. You, you jam a couple preseason games in there, and then all of a sudden the lights go on for real, right? And you, there's still stuff to clean up even into the first few weeks of the regular season. Uh, a pretty short week, couple days of practice, a walkthrough yesterday. Tonight is the game. Um, how are things looking health-wise? Uh, obviously, the big news, Jackson Jeffcoat going on to the sixth game. But uh, how's the lineup looking tonight as far as uh, any players out and players coming in? Yeah, you mentioned Jackson. That's unfortunate because, uh, you know, he, he started the game last week and then got hurt. And, you know, when him and Willie Jefferson are uh, on attacking from the edge, it's pretty dangerous combination. I thought Celeste and Habba looked really good when he came off the bench for Jeffcoat. And then we mentioned Mike Miller being out too. But aside from that, it's a pretty healthy-looking group. And the big questions here in Regina are whether uh, that defense that you were raving about is going to see Trevor Harris tonight or Mason Fine. It's still um, the, the riders listed uh, uh, Harris as a game-time decision. He hurt his hip on that final play last week. Um, dumb, dumb play. Did you get that dumb? I mean, oh. like, what? <laughs> Listen, I mean, and when you think about it, I mean, put it this way. If that happened to the Bombers with a championship coach like Mike O'Shea, he would take some heat for that. For that to happen with their brand-new quarterback, with a coaching staff under that sort of pressure and scrutiny, I mean, it was almost unconscionable that they're in this position right now, getting ready for the Bombers, maybe without their quarterback, on a play that was totally unnecessary when they basically had it won. Yeah, it was a strange play. I understand the concept of it, uh, you know, to, to kill the clock and have your quarterback just roll out, kill a few more seconds and throw it into the back of the end zone. But, I mean, you can pull off your second or third string quarterback to do that too without exposing your your starter, like you said, Hasekai, that they've really committed to, to do that. And so that's been the storyline here in Regina all week. Um, and then Trevor Harris, I guess he met with the media yesterday before and uh, the day before the walkthrough, and it was some strange answers. I thought he's pretty open about it being a hip injury, which, I, you know, that just basically puts a target on you, right, for, for anybody on Winnipeg. Well, which hip is it then? Okay, I, we know where we're going to go there. Uh, and uh, it, I, I'm not sure if he's going to play or not tonight. It sounds like he's, he wants to gut it out. Um, there's a lot of people in this town talking about take the short-term pain for the long-term game and, and not play him tonight. But there's a significant drop-off from Trevor Harris and his experience to Mason Fine, who's got two starts in his career, and they're both losses. So, I and on top of all this, I don't think Winnipeg cares who's a quarterback because uh, uh, I think they're just going to pin their ears back on defense and come at them, uh, whoever's back there behind center for Saskatchewan. Tell you what, in week two, in a game that, like if I'm Craig Dickinson and the, the, the Rough Riders, Considering the situation, and yes, it is incredibly embarrassing that your quarterback could might not be able to play because of how it ended up. I don't want to throw that guy out to Willie Jefferson and those guys in week number two of the season if he's not close to 100%. I mean, you know, there is an element of risk management here, and it's a long season. And if they don't have Trevor Harris, I don't think that team's going anywhere. Um, they need to get him healthy and uh, this group of gentlemen that will be on the other side of the line of scrimmage from the Saskatchewan offense um, could really be problematic for getting Trevor Harris healthy if they dare put him out on that field tonight. Well, that's a, a really interesting side story to almost every decision that's going to be made in Saskatchewan this year is that Craig Dickinson and Jeremy O'Day, you know, are, are 
are on the last year of their contracts. And so um, do you do you take that uh, long-term approach when you you need to get as many wins as you can because you're fighting for your jobs? And so it's also the writer's home opener tonight. Um, you know, there's a lot of things I can, you know, being in sports for so long, you know how coaches work. They live in the moment and they don't think about next week's game when you've got one tonight. Uh, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised to see Trevor Harris run out of the tunnel leading the riders today, but then it becomes a question of uh, how long can he last? And then, as you say, are you risking down the road for, for what might be a really a delicate situation for Saskatchewan? Because, again, the drop-off from him to Mason Fine is pretty significant. Uh, uh, Eddie, I mean, uh, I know you've got some uh, friends and colleagues on the other side of things that cover the Saskatchewan Rough Riders very closely. Uh, what have you heard about the the atmosphere around this team and the pressure on both the coach and the general manager to uh, see a marked improvement in this football team this year? Well, there's a lot of hope at, at, at what they did in the offseason. A lot of people uh, like what Saskatchewan did to address some needs. You know, they, they changed quarterbacks. Cody Fajardo's in Montreal now. Trevor Harris, as we've talked about. They think they've upgraded the offensive line. I'm not so sure about that. And Philip Blake is out tonight, a veteran Canadian. So there's going to be more change there. You know, there's been changes at the receiving core. They bring in a Jake Wenicke and, you know, I, I, I like a lot of their pieces. They don't have Derek Moncrief tonight in defense. They don't have Nick Marshall tonight in defense because of injuries. So um, on paper, this should be a, a, a Saskatchewan should be a pretty good team in a, in a fight for a playoff game. And, uh, the rest of the West is kind of a, you know, there's Winnipeg and BC still looks pretty solid. I didn't, wasn't very impressed with Calgary last night. Uh, Edmonton's already 0-1 and going against BC. So there's a, there's an opportunity here for someone, I think, to slide into second and host a playoff game behind Winnipeg. And uh, it could very well be this team. So there's, you know, even with these, the uh, microscope being on this whole Trevor Harris situation, I think there is some optimism in, in Ryderville because of what they did in the offseason to address some of their problems. Well, and a good thing for Ryder fans is that they are 1-0. and um, mm-hmm. they, they won that game. I mean, that goal line stand was absolutely bananas. Uh, and listen, I don't know whether it was incompetence on the Edmonton side of things with the play calling. I mean, the offensive line just simply not getting it done or a very ferocious Saskatchewan front that stepped up. But that was, uh, that was I mean... It won them a football game, and um, certainly that's going to be something the Bombers, I think, are going to need to pay close attention to, considering they got stuffed themselves on the goal line last week against the Hamilton Tiger Cats, Eddie. Yeah, that's right. Well, that was the critical play in the game last week for, for Saskatchewan was that, that goal line stand was was something else. And, I mean, it extended Edmonton's home losing streak. My streak I mean, uh, I forget what it is now, 18 or 19 games that goes back to 2019, which is unbelievable in our little league, right? Uh, but you're right, uh, you, you you look at that, those three downs, and then you think about what happened to Winnipeg with uh, Tyrell Pigram and the short yardage unit last week. That's something I know that they've worked on this week in practice because uh, when you get that close, that with the offensive line that Winnipeg has and the history of, of being really good at short yardage, that's something that's uh, that's got to get fixed too. Eddie, uh, really looking forward to this game tonight. And then uh, it'll be a short week for the team. I mean, come back, kind of enjoy the weekend, get back at it because uh, Thursday night football back at home against arguably the team that after the Bombers looked the best in week one, the British Columbia Lions. Yeah, you know, when Nathan Rourke left uh, for Jacksonville, a lot of people wondered about uh, what the 
what BC might do. You know, Vernon Adams had a hell of a good uh, first game, and a lot of people were raving about what he did in the preseason. And they've got, you know, a really good backup in Dane Evans, who has scorched Winnipeg at times in the past, including last year in the Hall of Fame game in, in Hamilton. So they got a lot of talent, a lot of weapons on offense. Um, so I don't I mean, obviously, you know, the bomber mantra, they got to get through tonight before they to look at that one. But what a great uh, uh, matchup to, to have at IG Field again for game number two at home. Well, can't wait for it tonight, Eddie. Uh, really appreciate you jumping on with us. And now uh, look forward to hopefully catching up next week, talking a little more Blue Bomber football and hopefully be discussing a 2-0 and team heading into Thursday night's game against the Lions. Absolutely. Thanks uh, a lot, Hus, for having me on. Appreciate you, man. Oh, the pleasure's all ours. There's Ed Tate. Make sure to read uh, up all about your Bombers at bluebombers.com, as well as uh, tons of post-game content coming from Ed after tonight's game in Regina. Matt, this is going to be so... I- I've been looking forward to this Friday night for a long time. Bombers, Riders, and primetime golf at the U.S. Open. I might have to pop my little brown jug and grab a couple racks of my favorite new beer, Generic Lager, uh, just in time for the weekend. I can tell you that if you're thinking about heading down to Little Brown Jug tomorrow, be a great chance to do it because uh, they just launched their new weekly pop-up series, What's Golden? Little Brown Jug and Shorty's Pizza have teamed up to bring new food and new DJs to the Little Brown Jug patio every Saturday from noon until sunset. From jerk chicken to brisket, we'll be grilling up something new and exciting every week, courtesy of Shorty's Pop-Up Kitchen. Tomorrow's menu, the Cubano Sandwich, vegan picadillo, Cuban corn salad, and more. And DJ Ad Hoc will be the featured DJ tomorrow. Spend your Saturdays in the sun on the Little Brown Jug patio, where you can enjoy, enjoy all your favorite beers from day to night at our little urban oasis in the heart of the exchange. Um, let's get to a quick Breezy Bend golf report for our friends at Breezy Bend. Uh, make sure to uh, check out breezybend.ca or give our pal Corey Johnson a call if you're thinking about getting on the waiting list for next year at Breezy. Uh, U.S. Open continues. Some shockingly low scores by the top players yesterday for a U.S. Open. Ricky Fowler and Xander Shoffley yet to tee off this afternoon. They remain in the lead at eight under par but Wyndham Clark has joined them. He's playing 17 right now. He's two under, so three players at eight under. Harris English has gone four under today. He's one shot back at seven under. Former U.S. amateur champion Sam Bennett is six under par. And Dustin Johnson, who had that great round yesterday, he dropped a snowman on the second hole, a quad bogey eight. Um, but he's battled back. He's only one over for the round. He is at five under, tied with Rory McIlroy. And then my guy, Tony Finau, lurking at minus four right now, playing the seventh, the uh, 16th hole. Um, and Cam Smith, another live guy, he's at three under. Bryson DeChambeau, Scotty Scheffler as well, three under. That's going to be going late into uh, the night, so uh, you might want to get out to a spot with two TVs, follow the golf, and watch the Bombers. Hopefully whoop the Riders tonight. Um, all right, let's see. It is 2.45. Remo, do we want to... Okay, I see. Marbles is open right now. <clears throat> if you're just jumping in and you're wondering what the heck's going on in the chat, all you need to do is put in exclamation mark marbles for our marble race coming up in a few minutes. Uh, we will have a Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie to give away to our winner, courtesy of our friends at Shippen and Associates. Thanks again to Shippy and the gang for helping us out with those. Uh, so put in exclamation mark marbles 
And all you need to do is make sure you got to be subscribed to win. So if you haven't already, hit that red subscribe button. And while you're at it, hit the thumbs up. So we'll be doing marbles in just a minute. We'll give you a few minutes to get that in. Uh, but right now, while you drop exclamation mark marbles in the chat, let's take a quick visit to the ballpark and check in with Andrew Collier for the latest on the Winnipeg Gold Eyes before we drop marbles on WST. Cash, what's going on? Welcome back to the program. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you guys doing? Uh, doing well. Looking forward to the weekend. Looking forward to the team getting home next week. And, uh, man, from the results as of late, I'm sure uh, everyone's looking forward to uh, getting home. A bit of a tough run that sort of started with that powerhouse Kansas City team in uh, in Winnipeg last weekend. Yeah, they're very strong. They're going to be a, a force to be reckoned with. Them and Fargo and Chicago and Milwaukee on the other side, they're, they're real good teams, and, and we just need to – get better yeah the uh um, you know it's weird the team hasn't had a lot of success on the road they've been very good at home minus that one trip uh minus that one homestand against you know a, a team that you had said on the program this was going to be a real real test so far uh, i imagine there's somewhat growing pains i mean some big changes in the off season and uh, obviously with a new manager and lots of new players sometimes unfortunately it takes a little longer really to click and this might be the case it does. It's it's taken a bit, but I think you'll see some changes coming up in the next week or so. And it's been tough with two of our starters and a reliever uh, playing for Team Canada in the Pan Am qualifier in Chile, uh, Seabrook, Markland, and Barasa. So it'll be great to get them back. I think by the end of next week they'll be back. Um, so that that'll certainly help. Yeah, I, I mean, at the same time, it's uh, it's tough for the team, but a great opportunity for those players to uh, represent Canada. Yeah, it's hard to say no when Team Canada calls and wants you to put that maple leaf on your jersey and go play for your country. We would never say no to something like that. Hey, you know what? You know, from being out at the ballpark this year, I mean, the one player that's really stood out uh, as far as the newcomers is that Dason Cruz at third base. I mean, what a rookie season he's having for the Gold Eyes. Yeah, he's been great. A, a kid from Aruba uh, that went to school in uh, at Quincy, uh, Illinois. Great pickup, great find by Greg, and he's just been stellar at third base. His defensive play gets better all the time, but his hitting, he went on a 25-game hit streak, which is second in the, on our our team. 27 was was the the record before, and. He went hitless on Wednesday night, so that ended the streak. But he's hitting 371, second in the league for a rookie. That's uh, that's pretty good. I have a feeling that uh, we might be hearing a little bit more about Mr. Cruz when it comes to the All-Star game later on this summer. Yeah, I think the ballots go out next week, and then announcements will come shortly after that. Uh, Andrew Collier's with us from the Fish. Uh, you know, one of the things that you, uh, when you joined us last week, you're getting ready to head up to uh, up to Thompson. Uh, tell us about the trip. This sounded like, a, I mean, a great, great program that you're doing, and the ability to get up to Northern Manitoba. I know with the help of Calm Air was uh, was huge. How did it all go? It was great. They were so appreciative of, of us coming up there and and showing them some baseball skills, but even more importantly, just showing them that that people in Winnipeg and the Gold Eyes care about people in the north and, and hope they continue to follow us. But, yeah, we had 40 kids from the Boys and Girls Club come out. Uh, we visited a, a junior high. Uh, a bunch of elementary kids came out. There was about 100, 100 kids at the camp, and they just had 
had a blast and and have got great reports from the teachers and the organizers up there and parents uh, what a great great time it was and MLB is is all over this this was MLB's play ball weekend initiative that they've been doing for years all over the world really um, but this is the first time they've included the partner leagues so we just thought hey let's uh, like let's take this camp to a whole new level and, and go up to Thompson and, and, and take the camp there. Well, and you know, I mean, having uh, been involved in a few projects like that, going up to Northern communities, uh, you can tell how special it is for the young people there to have experiences like that. And uh, obviously well done to everybody, uh, everybody involved time to get a couple wins to finish up this road trip and then get back at it next week. But uh, weather's looking good. That's the one thing that's been perfect. The nights at the ballpark have been so great this year. The beer's cold, the food's good. And uh, now we just got to get a few more dubs. Yeah, that's, that's true. The weather has been good. I think we had two or three rainouts by this point last year. So knock on wood. Um, I know, um, some people need the rain, so maybe some rain tomorrow and, and Sunday, and then come Tuesday, it'll be nice weather again. Andrew, thanks a lot for doing this. We'll uh, see you at the ballpark next week. Good luck to the team on the weekend. Thanks, Huss. Thanks, Michael. Talk to you soon. All right, good stuff with our pal Andrew Collier. Looking forward to getting out to the ballpark again. Goldeyes will be back being another series next Tuesday at Shaw Park. Check out goldeyes.com for upcoming events single game tickets, group tickets, and more. All right, last call for marbles. If you just popped in, exclamation mark marbles, get those in, and Remus can uh, wrap things up, and we'll get ready to do the marble race. I got to give a shout-out to our friends at Aikens Lake. This is going to be a good weekend. A lot of people heading out fishing. There's fishing, and then there's the Aikens experience at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, where you can fly in and be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg. Find out more on their corporate trips, friends and family options, as well as availability this year and for 2024 at akinslake.com or by hitting up our pal Pitt Turen on Twitter at Aikens Lake. And uh, one more, just while we're getting the marbles set up, I do want to get a uh, why not question of the day for our friends over at Not Auto Corp at Waverly and McGilvery in the chat. How bad did the Bombers whoop the Riders tonight? I Yes, I am calling a win. I am calling a win. I'd like to see the confidence levels of Bomber fans here in the chat on this game tonight. That's our why not question. Light it up in the chat after you have put in exclamation mark marbles. And uh, Doug Phil asking if Wheeler's fishing at Aikens Lake. No, Wheeler and Andrew Ladd are up at Island Lake, I believe. Uh, a little visit today, I guess, to the community. And then Jets tweeted out a video that it was time to get her on the lake with the uh, raffle winners for that event. So, uh, anyways, check out the Jets' uh, social media for that as well. All right, Remoa, uh, let's, uh, let's get on with the show because the weekend doesn't start until we do a marbles race on Friday here on WST. Yeah, I'm just looking at this Wheeler and Lad reunited, huh? On this uh, fishing with Here, the why Jets. Why don't you play it? Why don't you play it for everyone? Memories of the, 2011. Want... Shout out to oh, Brian man, Little, this... Little Lad Wheeler. I think we need Brian Little there with them. We need them. We need them like reunited at Center Ice for a pregame one time. It would be amazing. <laughs> Bring back. No, the, I, I do think they need to have a 
like bring back the 2011 team for some type of a reunion. I think that would be pretty cool. Oh, for sure. Like maybe like the 15 year reunion when pretty much most of the guys, everyone will be be retired at that point. Be a heck of a, uh, heck of a great Bring in Evander. He'll come back for that, right? All right. (laughs) Vander, maybe not. Maybe. I'm not sure it'll be 100% attendance. Um, do you have that thing? Let's just quickly show okay, that. Wait, but a computer. I, I opened the app and it's downloading the update for PGA Tour and screwing up my <laughs> my internet. <laughs> Sorry, that's why I was I was getting all screwy there. This no, PGA uh, Tour's got like a huge update. Oh, geez. Well, maybe it's a US, Maybe we'll be able to play LACC tonight uh, afterwards. Dave, the fantasy sixty six three bombers. Dear Lodge Boy, 48 to 3 bombers. Phyllis, a little more reasonable, 42-28. I don't think the Riders are scoring 28 on our defense, that's for sure. Chris Strebler's fur coat, 42-21. Winnipeg Walter, 31-11. That sounds pretty good. Rook of the year, 52-0. I would love a 52-0 because I sat through the 52-0 massacre that went the other way at the Labor Day Classic. What was that Tim Burke's first uh, first game as the bomber head coach? We sat up in the stands chanting "All we want's a rouge." That was a dark day, but that is that is such such in the past, ancient history. Right now, seven straight for the bombers over the Riders. Let's make it eight tonight. Uh, all right, Remo, what's the situation? Can we do the the Wheeler the, Lad clip, or sure are we uh, going right in? This is them doing a nice selfie style message the people so here they are reunited hey what's up uh me and wheels are excited to be up north in manitoba supporting project 11 yeah we've uh had a great morning here visiting with the communities up here up north um now it's about time to get out on the lake and catch some of these monster fish we've been hearing about so we're excited to get going with uh, the raffle winners it should be a great day all right we'll talk to you guys soon all right, pretty cool to see the old running mates uh, hanging out again. Andrew Ladd, former Jets captain, and Blake Wheeler uh, out on that uh, raffle trip. Um, all right, <laughs> Tyson Ducharme, 56 zip. Uh, I, I, I would love to see that tonight. Um, all right, Reem, uh, we are ready for a little Tristan Rivers music, and then we can get into some marbles. Sure. Do you want to do the cool bell lines first, or yeah? Do- you know what? That's a good. That's a good call because uh, we were just talking about the bombers. We may as well get to that. Uh, uh, we'll get to the cool bet lines and don't forget folks we got one more week in Winnipeg and then June 26th Monday of draft week we'll be live in Nashville for the entire week through the end of the draft Um, we'll see whether anything happens next week whether things happen closer to the draft but needless to say this is going to be the place to be we'll have boots on the ground in Nashville tons of content that's another reason to subscribe to the youtube channel and turn your notifications on uh because there very could very well could be some emergency shows depending on what happens and when it happens and there will be a plenty of additional content but a huge thanks to pat and the cool bet team for making winnipeg sports talk at the nhl draft presented by cool bet possible cannot wait for that all right cool bet lines for tonight bombers riders this number has gone up to six and a half, and now it's at minus 127 for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. You'd have to think that that gets to seven by game time. 
little bit of a big number at minus 127 to lay on the six and a half, but certainly with the questions at quarterback and just the fact that the Bombers are who they are and the Riders are who they are, I'm taking the Bombers at whatever number they're dropping. Uh, if you do like the Riders, though, tonight, you can get plus six and a half at plus money at plus 105. Bombers minus 278 on the money line. Um, <clears throat> tomorrow's game, BC and the Edmonton Elks. BC's seven-point favorites against Edmonton. That game out in Vancouver. And then the uh, final game, Sunday night football, Ticats and Argos. Argos finally playing a game. Everyone else is going to have two in the books except for them. Two-point favorites are the Ticats in Toronto to take on the defending Grey Cup champs. All weekend long, they'll have live betting available for the U.S. Open. So you can check that up. And I'm looking right now. So the 18th, what is that? That's Sunday? Sunday night, Canada versus the USA in the Nations Cup final. Canada plus 250 to win, a draw plus 235, and USA plus 115. Fellas looked good yesterday. Great goals by Jonathan David and Alfonso Davies. I believe this is the first final for Canada in 23 years. I guess this goes all the way back to the 2000 Gold Cup. Another big, big win and moment for our Canadian men's national team. You can bet on that over at CoolBet as well. Big thanks to CoolBet for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And can't wait to get things going in Nashville with those special shows presented by CoolBet coming up a week from Monday. Use the promo code WST, by the way, if you're playing at CoolBet for a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to 200 bucks. All right, Remo, I think it's Marvel's time. It is. I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to get it going, so hold on. You're having, I was having a trouble with the with that program. Is doing an update. You heard that beeping. It's my computer. Let me give this thing a shot again. Beautiful. What about a little Tristan Rivers music I to do, get the I do need the to mood. get that that going too. We have has two hundred and six entries. Nice into the marble race today. It's exciting. Do you want to add? Do you want to add the new ones now? Yeah. Yeah, we may as well if you need a second to get things done. Uh, all right, we are going to give Teddy Buckets yes. a marble. CEBL record, I think nine three-pointers last night. Mm-hmm. Big bounce-back win for the Sea Bears after their first loss at home on Monday night. Pumping the Brampton Honey Badgers, who I believe had beat them when they were on that road trip earlier on. It was their only loss heading into Monday's game. So the Sea Bears are five and two. So we'll give Teddy Buckets a marble. Let's give Murad a marble, Ed a marble, and Craig Button a marble. Um, and you know what? Maybe a welcome to Winnipeg marble for Fabian Wagner, who just got signed by the uh, Winnipeg Jets yesterday. Mm-hmm. He did, and that was a nice scouting report there. I think we got some. We got an NHL buyout here, according to Alex Howe in chat. It's the buyout window. Uh, he's tweeting, Vancouver will buy out OEL, Oliver Ekman-Larsen. Wow. He's got a lot of years left. Big time, big time. Let me just pull up Cap Friendly right now while you get that ready. That was a terrible uh, trade. Off the hop. It was an awful deal. Maybe one of the worst ever. Vancouver Canucks are actually at the top, the least cap space in the league right now. I know, and they're terrible. So OEL... 
has four years left at 7.26. I don't know what the, is there a buyout calculator here? Um, Fantasy Yes, tools. it is buyout current contract. Buyout calculator. Here we are. Select team. Here. I have it open. Vancouver. No way. Oliver Ekman Larson. Okay. So the buyout cost is going to be $2.416 million every year for the next eight years. They will have significant savings. Eight million this year, five five next year, two point eight for the next two years, and then cap penalties minus two point four for those following seasons. Oh, what a disaster of a contract! It'll be interesting to see what happens to him after this. But he obviously got paid. He got his big money. He was part of that trade. Phoenix wanted to get him off the books. Vancouver took him. Kent State. I'm surprised it eventually ended in a buyout. I am a little surprised it only took a couple years for it to happen. He wasn't playing this year. He was healthy scratched at times. So I wonder if he does catch on. But he couldn't if you can't crack Vancouver, who was out of the playoffs and not good. I mean, what team can you crack? You can go back to the Coyotes? <laughs> good point. Uh all right, are we ready to do this or what? Yeah, we've we've killed enough time. People are asking for a rant for me, and I do have one ready to go, but we can get to the marble. I gotta pick the song. Let's I haven't do done it. this one for a while here. Give us a good one. Tristan Rivers, his second hit single today after the Dubois drama theme intro earlier in the program. Check it out if you missed it. All right, let's go. It's Friday. Another week of work's gone by. You deserve to treat yourself. Maybe an ice cream cake or a bottle of rye. Marbles time on WST. 206 of you in with us. Added a couple marbles for guests and Teddy Buckets. Now we got to decide where we're, uh, where we're going today. Where are you taking us for uh, today's marble race, Remus? Where's Stormy? He's the one who keeps track of... Uh, We've got 212 marbles in there with the bonus marbles. Uh, he keeps track of where you want to go. Where's Stormy? Is he in here? And people trying to get in. I've already done it. Uh, we, I think we did the, we didn't do Marble Factory last time. We did Factory 2, didn't we? Let's check out the Marble Factory. We did Factory 2, I Yeah, we did the Factory 2. Yeah, no, we definitely did not do Marble Factory. Let's see. I don't even know if we've done that before. Yeah, I'm more familiar with the Factory. 
Not in Marble yeah. Factory. That's that's different. Let's check it out. Let me see. MC Stormy says, do I have the storm or the dojo? The dojo. Well, we're into this Oh, no, one. we did this. This is the same one. We did this. I don't want to do Oh, this one. is the same thing as the factory, too? I think so. We did marble fabrication. I'll go to the dojo or All Eye right. of the Storm. I don't remember so, Eye of the Storm. I don't I remember Eye of the Storm either. You think it's good? I, I'm, I'm, I'm always in for new ones. Yeah, we, I feel like, well, you know which ones are good. I have the storm. There it is. Uh, it's a bit shorter, but I'm I'm happy to try it. Let's do it. MC Stormy's the, the person who's been curating all of the courses for the marble race. So he's got the list. We'll, we'll take Stormy's uh we'll take Stormy's uh advice on this one. Oh, look at this. So here, oh, massive funnel to start off. <laughs> Nicely done. Okay, so 212 in. Shout out to Shipman Associates for uh helping us out with the hoodies. Here we go, folks. The weekend does not officially start until the marbles are dropped on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Good luck, everyone. Let's go. Eye of the Storm. So he says it's a new one. We've never done this one. Excellent. Well, let's see oh how it is. I don't mind the massive funnel to, uh, to get started. And 200. Oh, Gary. Gary Lawless. I added in. Stanley Cup champion Gary Stanley Lawless. Stanley Cup champ Gary Lawless. Oh, he'll yeah, be so, that's what he's so full name in there. Dave Asplund. Who's we got here? Running man Fred Schneider, Gene Okerlund, Lyndon Radachenka looking good on one side. Dave Asplund on this side. We've got a bit of a lead right now. Lawrence Richard. Whoa, Ben Gann, Benjamin Gann. Got a major, major boost. Benjamin Gann is in first place right now. There's some serious weather conditions going down. You can hear that wind. You can see the rain. They're there's fighting a lot. It. There's a lot going on in the storm right now. <laughs> Bruce H. and Peg City Dude now uh, at the front. And a big... Whoa, this is a cool one. Nope. Into the hurricane. Into the <laughs> hurricane. Running man is in first brady game over winnipeg looking good right now bruce h but it looks like running man has the inside track can bruce catch him nick rowiniak right there jeffrey kohut running man still in first but he is taking his sweet time getting down there can anybody catch him i don't think so running man is your winner today for today's Winnipeg Sports Talk Marble Race. I didn't mind that eye of the storm. That was a good one. Going into the storm, you don't know who's going to come out and where you're going to land. I loved it. Love the rain. This is a keeper. Yeah, shout out MC Stormy for the uh, intel on the uh, on the marbles. We'll let everyone get in. Oh, I see the fire coming in. Be fair. Oh, we had some lightning there as well. You we'll could hear the in. wind when the hurricane was close. <laughs> It's been a while since we had someone eaten up by the fire. Leonard is in danger of doing that. Oh, and Leonard's done. Rook of the year and Baba Jet. But the winner is Running Man. Running Man, send us an email, winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com, and uh, we'll make arrangements to get you that, uh, that hoodie. 
Um, all right, we're pretty much done for the program. Shout out to Running Man and shout out to everyone that was in. Remo, you said that you have a rant and I am willing to bet I know what you're going to be ranting about. We talked about it before. It never came up as I scroll through these. Let me bring myself on the screen. Oh, there I am. I'm behind you. We don't want to do that thing where we're like riding a bike here. Sorry, podcast like listeners. Bobsled. Bobsled. We're not bobsledding. As I scroll through the names, uh, the CFL this year moved their... <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. You knew this one. They changed their stats provider. It was a big hoopla this offseason. Oh, they've partnered with some company called Genius Sports that's going to you know revolutionize whatever they're doing. They're going to have a brand new stats platform well if you log into whatever app you get your scores from you know tsn or some other site you notice the stats aren't working they haven't didn't work in the first week and they said hey give us patience you know we're putting in this new platform it's going to be so great well it's week two and they still don't have stats the play-by-play tracker on the cfl website is so inferior to last year Last year, I loved following along games on their website. It would give you the down and distance. It would tell you what kind of throw it was, um, tell you the score yards ago. Uh, whatever they have now, they don't have any stats. Broadcasters like AJ Jakubek can't do his job. Um, you know, you can't check the scores online. It is insane that a league, you know, trying to sell, trying to play fantasy, trying to play, you know, prop bets, all that stuff. They do not have stats. You went on their website after the game. They didn't even have the correct score for the Calgary-Ottawa game. They had Ottawa scoring. John Hodge tweeted a picture. They had Ottawa scoring five return touchdowns. This is a joke. How are they? I shouldn't laugh because it's so embarrassing. People want to dump on the CFL saying, oh, it's a... It's a joke league or whatever. And I love the CFL. You know, I love following it. But I can't follow it. I can't follow the games if there's no stats out there. Like, the stats, whatever they had last year worked fine. It was great. Whatever they have this year, it's not working. Go back to what it was. Like, Genius. Genius fi- sports, huh? Like, Genius is an absolute urgent thing. Needs to be fixed immediately. And... They're not showing any urgency. There's no tweet saying, hey, we know this is a thing. Like, bear with us. Um, it's completely embarrassing. And <laughs> I don't everyone's, know. I don't know. Everyone's agreeing in chat. Uh, Dan Jets fan. That's why TSN can't show the score anymore. Where's the TSN box score? This is why there's no updated scores. Well, yes, exactly. And everyone, look, everyone wants to take a reason to shit on Bell Media. This week for obvious reasons and like, oh, they can't, you know, they fire and they can't even get the TSN. That's not a TSN thing that they can't get the score. That's the CFL's inability to put it out. So, like, if you want to be taken seriously, I think that should be like the bare minimum for a league to be operational, to have stats. So, I don't, I don't put out, like, let us know, like, be transparent. Let us know what's going on. I mean, I tweeted at them and tagged them like, hey, come on, guys, like. I'm trying to follow your league here, and I don't know. People, are, I don't. Know, I letter. never used the CFL app. Apparently, they had an app which I didn't uh, know about. 
but it doesn't have the stats on there. Like, why? What? You know, doesn't have the scores. What's going yeah. on? We'll be on top of this. We will. We will get to the bottom of it. And uh, yeah, Julian says it's a new company that everyone's supposed to get the stats from. Then the company better be in hot water. Uh, yeah, Running Man, fire us an email uh, anytime, and we'll uh, get at you next week, and uh, we'll make that uh, make that happen. Um, stats or no stats. Let's see the Bombers put one on the Riders tonight on the scoreboard where it matters the most. Game tonight, golf tonight, great golf on the weekend. And uh, it's been a great week. We're going to one more week in Winnipeg, and then it is off to Nashville. And uh, I imagine the shows next week will be uh, just as interesting as uh, the big turnouts we've had this week with more Dubois drama, Shifley, Helly, Wheeler, and as we said with Murat, don't forget about the blue line because there's probably some uh, tweaks to that unit that need to happen as well. Yeah, thanks, everyone, for giving me a uh, make me feel good about uh, that rant. I appreciate <laughs> appreciate 50 that. burger or bust. I like it, Doug. I like so yeah, it. I'm um, looking forward. I'm looking forward to the weekend, uh, the bomber game tonight, but also next week and the week after because uh, a lot of juicy rumors from the insiders. Today, uh, about Hellbuck, Shifley, Dubois, always. So uh, this was a fun one. Thanks, everyone, for, for coming in and hanging out. And great to have Murad on the show, uh, Craig Button as well, Ed, this Andrew Collier is great. So uh, a lot of fun. Uh, thanks for uh, doing such a great job, Hustler. Shout out to the guys. Uh, the MTM's in first right now in our uh, U.S. Open contest. Evan MC2, Sheep Saddle, Easy E, and Delta Blues, those are your top five right now in the money. Top team is, uh, who does he have? Does he have Wyndham Clark? Yes, he does. Wyndham Clark, number one, minus nine right now. Oh, and he has Ricky Fowler, hell of a team. We'll see what the uh, cut line is right now. It looks like it's probably going to be like plus two. Uh, but anyways, lots of golf left to be played. Fowler and uh, Shoffley uh, just getting out on the course in the next sort of half hour or so. Um, all right, that's going to do it for us, everyone. Thanks again to the sponsors that make this show happen. Thanks to all of you. Tell a friend about WST, where you can find us, and subscribe to the YouTube channel, and make sure you're getting the audio feed wherever you get your favorite podcast. Just throw in Winnipeg Sports Talk. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday right here, 1 p.m. on WST. Oh, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.